want to uh, shout out to the Backyard Band. G and Wednesday came out to, to join us in D.C. tonight. Mike Dean. I want to say welcome to Dr. Lovely's Couch Cafe. It's your host, Dr. Lovely here. And um, I, I just want you to pull your seat up. Um, get ready to clench your pearls. Um, prepare yourself and get real, real ready. Because there's going to be some real seriousness going on today. I have been spending my week just just thinking about God um, because of all of the shit that's going on around the Belvis is is some real serious stuff, and I mean, and when I tell you it's some real serious stuff going on around us, we might be getting ready for a civil war, yo. Y'all thought I was joking when I told you this year is going to be off the chain. I know a lot of y'all don't respect the gift. But just understand. It's time for us to get real serious. And I heard some very interesting things today that I want to bring to you. Because it was so powerful. I, I mean, I, I, towards the middle of it, I was like, I should be recording this so I can catch this. Because this sister was so dangerous. I mean, when we come to what we need to understand, man, let me tell you. My God, my God. It's time for us to really get ready. It is really time for us to get ready. Because what's going on in Texas is going to hit all over. But the very interesting thing about it, right, is is one of the Texas people in Texas said this: the, the 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 situation that's going on at the border is only in one city. Texas is big as fuck. It take you a whole twelve hours to get through the state itself. I mean, about six hours, goddamn, my bad. And, and you know, um, the unfortunate thing is, is that we, um, we really don't, um, <sighs> one spot. But they are making it seem like the whole state of Texas is blocking this thing off. But I understand why. See, y'all y'all don't understand this one thing. See, it said the UN is paying for it. Well, where did they just put the fucking UN at? You know where they put the new office of the UN is? It's at fucking, it's fucking Jerusalem. So if the UN is implanted or the place there in, is in, in um, Jerusalem, you already know. Who's doing it? I think the problem with us 
is we're so disconnected from shit and we act like shit ain't finna happen to our ass. You understand? For for what you need to know about what the fuck is about to happen, excuse me. Sorry. Is a people that has been very financially, strategically, been doing a whole lot of shit has been uncovered. These people who are running the earth right now are the most wealthiest people in the world. And their their cover got blown. And it's because of the niggas in America. Now, goddamn, everybody else began to wake the fuck up. But this ain't new. This is scriptural shit. And I know most of y'all niggas don't like the Bible. And I, let me just say it this way, because I got to stop using that term because I don't agree with the whole book. And I think the real thing is, is that we all start realizing that Jerusalem is in America. But that's a story for another day. But before we get started, I want to read something to you. My daughter hasn't heard it yet. I wanted her to come in here and get her authentic um, reaction because I'm going to see. Let's get started because this is going to be a long one. But I hope y'all really, really. Really, really, really think about your life with God, because if you don't, if you don't have it solidified, I don't know what to say, because listen, we can look at Daniel, Meshach, I mean, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. God kept them in the midst of the turmoil that was happening around them. See, God kept the people because he said he would. Now, if you ain't worshiping the right God, if you're not seeking the right person, niggas, goddamn. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no. When I tell you God lined this thing up for me today, from yesterday all the way down to today, I'm, 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 I'm in, I'm in, I'm in awe of how it came about because each piece, each portion came together and, and just kept throwing itself into me. And all I could do is sit down and give God glory and praise because the things that you're going to hear today is I hope and I pray and I hope and I pray to God that it helps you to understand that you need to make a decision sooner than later. So I'm going to get started and read this to you right quick. I'm telling you as a kid, listen to this. Hold on. Okay, so these are the words of George Washington, which were quoted below. And it says this, this is what your your founding father. Now, mind you, now the term Moorish could be anybody. And I think a lot of people get away from the, the term itself. Moorish means black or more. But that, ter- that word at first was the word... Um, embraced or to to help us to understand that the people were Muslims. It was attached originally to the Berber people who were ruling in Europe at during the dark ages. But that taught the same people that 
you know, took over y'all stuff. And 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 and, and, and the, the name but it was interchangeable. Anybody who was considered people of color or dark skinned people, light skinned people, whatever, goddamn, they were all considered Moorish as well. So when you hear the term, it's interchangeable. You don't know who they were talking about at the particular time. Now I want you to understand that. And number two, we also know that our people wore fezes or turbans. Because it was associated with the culture. And don't forget, Muslims mimic our culture. We are cousins. So you couldn't tell who is what. Okay, now moving on. This is what he said. If we would agree to take the fezzes and the turbans off the moors head and remove the sandals from their feet and enforce it with serve with with serve. I'm sorry. And enforce it with severe punishment and to also swear a death oath between ourselves to religiously and faithfully not to allow anyone to teach the Moorish child or children who they really were or who their forefathers were nigga but let's not forget these niggas was on our shores when they was talking this shit then right so we had to take into consideration they could better talk about us the natives that are here Cause that's exactly what the hell they did to us. But let's not let's not let's not um, forget that they also talk to our talk about our um, brothers and sisters uh, the same way that was all over the place. Remember, the slave trade started in America. No matter what your history books tell you, what the history actually states and shows us is that they came here first. How do we know? Where did Christopher Columbus come? To only allow the Moorish children to be taught that they were truly Negroes, black people, color folks. George Washington goes further to say, 200 years from today, the Moorish people will not know their nationality nor their national name of their forefathers. Also, they would not know from which land or ancestry that they descended from. The Negro Law of South Carolina and now George Washington's quote actually makes sense now. The slaves, also known as Moors, these people came from all over the place. That Negro law of South Carolina by Walter Pleckert. Walter Pleckert said, 
that they would take the children of the natives and reteach them or reeducate them. And they would no longer be Native Americans in practice, but only inwardly. But that took me to um, another place, right? And that took that place it took me to was in the scripture, right? Hold on, y'all. I'm, I'm looking up this scripture right quick. can't find it but i'll pull it up i i'll definitely get it for you i'll get it for you um but i'm gonna get i'm gonna get y'all to this one place right quick hold on i gotta pull up this scripture real quick hold on because we're gonna go over this first and then i'm gonna let you hear this recording because they, they, they work together. Okay, that's Ezekiel 39. Okay, it starts off by saying, Therefore, son of Adam, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says Adonai Yahuwah, Behold, I am against you, O Gog the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal and I will turn you back and leave but the sixth part of you and will cause you to come up from the north parts and will bring you upon the mountains of Israel and I will smite your bow out of your left hand 
and will cause your arrows to fall all out of your right hand. Meaning, he going to deal with them in an aggressive campaign. And that aggressive campaign will only leave a sixth portion of these people left. Meaning, they're going to die. And only a sixth of them will be left. That's a small number. Now, mind you, it's only going to be a third of our ass make it out of this thing that's coming. And then a third of that. Because the father said we're going to want to go back to where we came from. (laughs) And then he said you're going to go back and find that you you don't even fit in the space that you left. So you'll return back to where you were. Mm. Wow. And I will smite your bow. And your of your left hand, and will cause your arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your bands, and the people that is with you. Colin, pay attention now. I will give you unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beast of the field to be devoured. Meaning, there as they left our bodies out. During slavery, and and we were we were we were subject to the the beast of the fields and the caucuses of the air. The same thing they did to us will be done to them. But I bet you say, what kind of God do that? Well. One, y'all forget this, or this is what you failed to comprehend, one. Now that we live in a different day, we all just forget about all of the shit that was done to our people. 400 motherfucking years of tyranny. And heart rule. And at least we not forget how we got there. But nobody questioned the things that they were taught. Few of us did. Very young. Because we were paying attention to what was being spoken. Man, I promise you, you, we about to blow your mind today. We about to blow your mind today. You shall fall upon... The open field for I have spoken it. See, God's word never returns void. Meaning whatever was spoken out of his mouth will take root. Uh, I, I promise you it will. It will. What will happen? And I will send a fire on Magog. And among them that dwell carelessly in the aisles. Now people say Magog is Russian. In China, Gog and Magog. 
and carelessly on the aisles. Well, what nation also that fucked us up that's on an island, niggas? That's, that's England, is it not? So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people, Israel. We, 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 we didn't forget it, right? That's why he's saying he will make his name known in the midst of his people. Because we call on another God. We worship in idols. And an idol is just not an image. Your car, your house, your, your, your job, all of that shit. Those are all idols. We worship idols. Anything that you put before God is an idol. And I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. Nigga, nigga, nigga. Mind you, he said he would allow them to change times and laws. We learned this last week. In the book of Daniel. But but he said, I will not let them pollute my name anymore. How did they pollute his name? Well, one, they put him alongside some other humanistic gods. And the term y'all use is Lord. Most of y'all don't, y'all still call on the Lord. And the heathen shall know that I am Yahuwah, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, it has come. And it is done, says Yahuwah, or Adonai Yahuwah. This is the day thereof I have spoken. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shield and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows. And the hand styles and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire for seven years. So he already telling you how long it's gonna take to get rid of all of the weapons of warfare. When he said he was serious. About us not being afraid or worried about anything anymore after this captivity. He stamped his name on that. And he said, You can bank on his name. So that they shall take no wood out of the fire, neither cut down any out of the forest. For they shall burn the weapons with fire and they shall spoil those that spoiled them and rob those that robbed them, says Adonai Yahweh.
Now I bet y'all say, God says, thou shalt not steal. Nigga, he not saying you stealing it. It's going to be what's left after the the war t- is over. Get them. And fair exchange ain't no robbery. No, it's not. You forgot they came up out of Egypt with what? Gold, silver, and silver, and other, and other, and other beauties. Most the term they use was borrow. They didn't borrow shit because they 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 took it with them. They gave it to them actually. Can't you get get fuck them out of here? They gave it to them because they wanted them to leave. <laughs> they were dying. Their so was dying. So if he if he was no respect to persons to to, to Pharaoh, because you already know you're dealing with some rough neck, hard headed people, goddamn. Children were dying. So yeah. <laughs> but when you think about all that that they made off of us, right? Oh, so yes. when you think about the st- this country and all of the money and wealth this country made off the backs of of black people. Then you will understand fair exchange and no robbery. That's why the Pharaoh was like, leave the animals. Exactly. Because he knew that and was. the children. Because <laughs> they can corrupt the kids. So listen, and, and it shall come to pass that in that day that I will give unto God a place there of graves in, in, Yo- and in Israel, the valley. Of the passengers on the east of the sea, mm. and it shall stop the noises of the passengers, and there shall they bury Gog and all his multitudes, and they shall call it the valley of Haman Gog. Haman what? Haman Gog. Haman Gog. The fanciful name of an emblematic place uh-huh uh-huh but we know what Haman was Haman was Haman's Haman was a descendant of um um what was it the um Ammonites or one of them I can't remember um but they were the, they were the descendants of the children that Saul was supposed to kill all the people and he didn't. And then they came. They were left alive. He was one of the descendants of the of that of those people. So that's the reason why they were trying to take us out. So when he said kill, he said kill. Y'all be in here on some other shit. Because they're gonna come back for retaliation. Exactly. <laughs> Even the kids. Exactly. I think if people view this thing from a Christian perspective, but, but it's it's so skewed in essence because when you really look at the fact that people are like, oh, well, everybody would have to keep the law. No, everybody didn't have to keep the law. It wasn't. It wasn't. The, the law was only given to Israel. Nobody else had to keep it. It wasn't. It wasn't enforced on anyone else. This is the story of your people. They got all over the world that he said it would take place. But think about that. The story of your ancestors that he preserved for you. And the whole world think that God wanted them to do it. No, that's not, that's not even what, anyway, we'll get to it. <laughs> like, 
Like I was going, I was doing lesson yesterday on tithing. Um, and the crazy piece about it is, we we people pay tithes to 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 the um to the to the uh goddamn to the church, but it wasn't. It's done wrong. That's why the people cursed by it. And 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 when you think about what. Well, no, but this is it right here now, right? It's, I'm just going to go over this real fast. It says, and, Adonai, and, and Yehoah spoke unto Moshe, Moshe, saying, Thus speak unto Le- the Levites, and say unto them, When ye take of the children of Israel's tithe. Did it say take of the preacher man's tithe? No. Did it say speak it to the Christian church? No. Did it say speak it to Islam? No. It says to the Levites. So the tithes in the Bible, or that's attached to the Bible, is supposed to only go to what? The priests. The Levites. Yeah. See how see how we don't read shit get down? Then this is what he told the Levites, or this is what that, that Moses said to the Levites, right? Which I have given from them. For your inheritance. Because the Levites. Didn't have an inheritance. Everything they received. Came from donations. Of the people. The tithes from their. Good goodly things. And after the people got their portions. Then Levi can have their. Right they weren't given secular things. Then ye shall offer up a heavenly, uh, uh, um, you shall offer up a, a have offering of it from Yehoah, even a tenth part of tithes. So not only what they receive, they were supposed to get, um, and them and what they received from the people, they were supposed to give ten percent of that. But it was still distinctive. And and you, son of Adam, thus says Adonai, speak unto every feathered fowl. <laughs> and you know, I think about this because there's so many nations with the bird as their resemblance or uh, uh, as their um. Well, let's let me not say the bird. The Holy Roman Emperor empires, right? Because most of us don't even know Rome is still fucking ruling. Goddamn! I seen some shit today. Goddamn! Guess what I saw? I in the history, niggas, of all popedom. I never seen the 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 uh uh <laughs> the pope bow to anybody, nigga. Goddamn, this is what I saw today. He bowed. He bowed to the Rothschilds. <laughs> And kiss you the ring, nigga. What? <laughs> yes. Ooh, nigga. <laughs> you know who things. So you're telling me the Pope, the, pope. the Vatican Pope, yeah, bowed. Mind you, to this the is Rochelle. normally he's standing and everybody's going around, right? But he came and he and they kissing the ring. No, he bowed. 
To the family. My nigga. To the family. Went around and bowed. Even though they bowed back. But he bowed first. And kissed the ring of the head of the Rothschilds. He kissed his hand. I also seen that nigga kiss the feet of a black person over in Nigeria. That makes sense. Really now. Yes. But this looked very ceremoniously. That says a lot. Now, mind you now, and, and, and I, 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 get, I, I get y'all to go back to the shit Kanye West said when he talked about the tear of the, the people in charge and the head of the people in charge is the people people think is gone. And that was the Medici's. Yes, yeah, true. Most people don't know about the Medici family. They don't. Because he plays them still in power. And the Rothschilds were up under the Medici's. Yep. And the papacy was up under them. Yep. Niggas. <laughs> listen, listen. They go way back. <laughs> listen, and I know, I know most niggas would be like, I don't care. What does that mean for me? That means a lot. What does that mean? <laughs> you have to know. God damn. You don't know Medici's were the main banking family of the world. <sighs> They're the ones that is the reason why y'all have universities to this day. Yes. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you're like, we don't educate ourselves for shit. They weren't just involved with money. They were involved with schools. God dang, the arts. The liberal arts department was brought to you by the, the letter. By way of the papacy. Because all of the papal schools incorporated the liberal arts in them. This is why... Remember last week when I said, oh, no, I didn't get a chance to do this one. I deleted that one. Uh, This is why, listen, so I've been doing some research, too, on the educational system. And I promise you, I I didn't come up with some real good shit. Mind you now, the reason why they constructed the school was for a purpose. But we're going to get to that, too. I told y'all this year is going to be a year of learning for us. And there are some things we need to understand. Wow. Can't even get the Pope bowing <laughs> to a the, oh wow out of my what wow. see see yeah, good you got the, the Vatican is supposed to be the staple for the world uh huh everybody everybody bows to the Vatican to the Pope yes they're supposed to be the powerhouse for the world and he bowed to the family. La Cosa of no- the Rothschilds. Nick, listen, nigga, they took La Cosa Nostra to a whole nother level, nigga, goddamn. <laughs> That's a story for another day, too, nigga, because you don't even know La Cosa Nostra. The, 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 the rob was, was funneled by the papacy, too, now, goddamn. <laughs> even the queen bowed to the Pope. Even the queen of England. <laughs> I tell you. Who owns, oh, the, they say, nigga. Who owns the most money? The queen? And the Vatican hold the most money in the world. But you forgot the money's that. But the money. Yeah, but the money they have is owned by 
The Rothschilds. Damn, it is a day, though. Listen, all kind of shit going on today, goddammit. We getting calls all over the town. It tells you how important this message is. Now, let me finish this. Come out the Man. I mean, we, people, we ain't heard from in months. <laughs> Just call it. What the fuck? When are we going to call me next? Uh, uh, Nigga, I don't want to know. I knew you already turned my phone off and I shit. I don't want one person who would call me today. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, and the son uh, of Adam, this is Adonai Yuha, speak unto every feathered fowl, unto every beast of the field, assemble yourselves and come. Gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you. Father. Hmm. Even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel that ye may eat my flesh and drink blood. Father. Now, nigga, this is a dig. Mm. <laughs> oh, listen, 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 listen. This is a dig. This is something, something very critical here. Understand this. Understand this. That's exactly who we talking about. It was an unholy sacrifice. Ye shall eat the flesh of the Almighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams and lambs and goats of bullocks, all of fatlings of Bashan. Do you not understand this is a dig? This is not literal here. This is what the people would be doing. This is what these nations caused his people to do. But Christians thought this was them showing that this is him telling you what you was going to be doing mm-hmm. and what the people were subjected to do. Because let's, 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 at least you not forget, because I don't think I've ever played that recording for them. And I'm going to do that the next time. The one of the Jewish rabbi oh, the- talking about how they got underground tunnels and they be taking your kids down there and they sacrifice them on the idol, which you saw. And they drink the blood of their children. And they got rid of the meat in your McDonald's, nigga. (laughs) 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 Instead, why stop eating out to certain places? That was one of the places, you're correct. (sighs) And y'all forgot they just found the whole mind you how they cleaned up the shit that it was some rambunctious jewish teenagers that broke through the city through the um through the temple and and um they're gonna clean it up and fix the holes uh a retraction statement i said ain't this about a bitch and them people in new york known about them tunnels for years 
course they did. Now they got to fill them up now because everybody know. Even though it, people in New York know, but now the whole world know. Y'all not understanding these people are being exposed now. And ye shall eat fat until ye be full and drink blood until ye be drunken of my sacrifice, which I sacrificed for you. (sighs) Father God in heaven, help us. Thus ye shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with mighty men, and with all men of war, says Adonai. And I will set my glory among the heathen. And all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed. And my hand that I have led upon them. All of the things that they taught us to do is listed here. All of the things that we did. We forgot his name. His name was sullied, and it was sullied in this way, with the eating and the drinking of blood, when you know and Torah is forbidden. This is why people say the, new, the Bible contradicts itself, is because they don't understand, and they don't have the, con- they don't have the um, wherewithal to really look at it appropriately. And I will set my glory among the heathen. That's what he said. So the house of Israel shall know that I am Yahuwah Elohim. God of hosts. No, the most high God. From that day and forward. And the heathen shall know that the house of Israel went unto captivity for their iniquity. Colon, pay attention, I know up here now, because they transgressed against me. Therefore, I hid my face from them and gave them into the hand of their enemies. So fell they all by the sword. That's how you know what I was saying above was true. According to their uncleanness, according to their transgressions, have I done unto them and hid my face from them. Therefore, thus says Adonai Yahuwah, now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel. And will be jealous for my holy name. Meaning once you realize who you are. Once you have realized what you should be doing. There's another accountability here. And he already telling you that right here. Therefore thus says Adonai Yahuwah. Colon, meaning the next statement is important. I will bring again the captivity of Jacob. 
again. Colon, and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel. And I will be jealous for my holy name. That means y'all niggas shouldn't be calling on no other gods but him. After you realize who your ancestry is. After that, they have borne their shame. And all their transgressions whereby they have transgressed against me. When they dwelt safely in their land. And none made them afraid. When I have brought them again from the people. And gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and I am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. Meaning, right now y'all ain't doing it. But the Christians told you that this was supposed to take away your sins. And you wasn't supposed to have to pay for nothing no more. But niggas, JC didn't do that because y'all still dealing with the same shit, nigga, goddamn. And they shall know that I am Yahuwah Elohim, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them unto their own land, and I have left alone of them any more. Neither will I hide my face any more from them. For I have poured out my Ruach upon the house of Israel. Says Adonai Yahuwah. Nigga, where did it say Christian in here? It did not. Where did it say Jesus is going to come back? It did not. Uh, 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 okay. <laughs> now, this is the recording I want you to hear first. And then we're going to get back to, to the other stuff. It does not, it's not the literal kill. It means to 
judge. Jesus was judged and found guilty. So they did right. But he had to, Jesus Christ's purpose was to come to purge the land of the law so that the most high God will know who's going to come back to him and who's going to continue in wickedness. Now, remember last week we talked about this. Wow. Oh, no, I missed so much more before that. It was alive and I missed it. I, I, cause I, I, I didn't think about at the time to record what she was saying because she had some heavy shit she laid down. And I was like, my God, only, only God could have given her the revelation and understanding of it. Wow. That was a powerhouse and we ain't even done yet with her. There's more? Nigga, yes. What she said was even more powerful before that. And she talked about, man, listen. So we talked about this last week, right? Listen, listen, we talked about this last week when I told you um, that God um, allowed them to do what? Change, change the times and laws, right? It was, it was, they, it was allowed for them to do it. That's it. That's it. But instead of them going back to the law, what they did, oh, Jesus Christ is the end of the law. We don't have to do any of that anymore. The law is order. So if you're going to be lawless, who's lawless? Satan is a lawless man. So if Jesus removes the law, Jesus is a lawless man. You have to go back to the law because the law is what governs your lives. Mm-hmm. Even when it comes to animal sacrifices, they don't realize that animal sacrifices is not literal animals. The book is shut closed to those who are still in wickedness and still in um still in the world. The sacrifices are you. You have to sacrifice your wicked lifestyle. The wicked the the, the blood represents sin. So those who are without the law, they are alive without the law. You can go to Romans uh seven nine. Paul gonna tell you without the law, I was alive, but when the law came, I died. Mm. Come on, nah. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Dark day when you say because of the law. But well, remember all of the stuff we came up to with we, we we knocked Paul out the park now. Yes, we did. <laughs> we, we knocked Paul out the park. We killed him. We killed that shit so good the last couple the week a couple weeks ago. Y'all y'all understand this. Listen, listen, hold up. So those who are flesh and blood are alive without the law. So that is their life. They have to sacrifice that life, sacrifice sin, and then come back to be reborn into the spirit of the Most High God. But without the law, you are dead. You cannot be tied to the Most High God if you are a lawless person. The Most High God is order. He is spirit. He is alive. He ain't no God of the dead. So that's the whole body of Jesus Christ, that body. Why you think they divided amongst themselves? Because they don't know that each one of them has different positions. They think that everybody is everybody in that body of Jesus Christ is supposed to look like them, but that body is Satan's. So all of them have different ways of how they come out and deceive the people. And they don't know who is who, and they don't know who they serve. So they come against each other. That's why that body is so divided. They all are in sin. 
They all have to die every day. Those who are tied to the Most High God, you do not die every day. You live because you do not partake in the ways of the heathens. But Jesus was a sinful sacrifice, so the body is going to be sinful. You That's right. That's right. And if you eating up the body of sin. So peak now, goddamn. And let me bring her. Let me bring you back to where she coming with it, right? Oh my god! The law tells you nobody can die for another man's sin. Mm -mm. Every man has to pay for their own sins. That's right. You're accountable for yourself. That's right. He also told you that if someone comes and teach you something different than what we were given by Moses, they would have to do what? Die. <laughs> Come on, my God. I told you. I told you. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Tied to a man when you're supposed to be tied to God. Jesus, you were never supposed to worship Jesus. You were never supposed to make him your idol or your God because he sits in the temple where the Most High God is supposed to be sitting. You have made a man your idol. There you go, there you go, sis, there you go. <laughs> I just want to go say it because he said in his laws, he said they if they do not know, they're not found guilty. So now they're all, they all have been judged. So if they continue on serving uh, Jesus Christ, they have picked their God. They have picked the God of the dead over the living God. And that's what mm. we just read, right? Ain't that's what we just read. He said his name will no longer be a reproach. Hmm. <laughs> he said he won't allow them to continue to oh. sully his name. Isn't that, isn't that what they, that's what he said? All right, now. When the most I, I say, I am God, I am not man. He can't be man because man is his creation. How can he get into his creation? When the most I, I said, he's going to make man into his image, that does not mean that he started making something that was nothing. What was already out here was wickedness. When it says for, without form and void, it also says the same thing in Jeremiah. And it lets you know that there was wickedness in the earth. So God has to take a remnant and put order. He's trying to put them in their image, give them the law. Because when you have the law, you are righteous, you are spiritual, you will walk in a certain way. That is a straight path. You know where you're going. You do not stumble. You are given order. And so that is the made in God's image. Not what they indoctrinated us with. But you know the crazy part is they knew they handed us the book that, that we were not going to be able to read it because out here we have already been indoctrinated with their system. Woo! But but mind you, we was able to see before we even got to the language part. Yeah, true. Mind you, she said. You see, I was bewildered. I said, I gotta catch this. I kept trying to rewind it back, but it was live. I don't even know how. Um, it was on TikTok Live. I don't know how. I, I, I'm like, I, um, they don't even save the lives, do they? People can save their lives, but other people can't see it. 
Oh, man. I promise you, I wish I was able to get it when she hit. Because let me tell you the most beautiful thing, too. Because now you're seeing Gentiles coming into this life and putting respect on the people again. Mind you, he said that we will be a reproach. But there will come a time when we no longer are a reproach. And that time is coming. You can yeah, see that prophecy is. being pre- fulfilled. And I and y'all y'all know that I've been telling you a, a lot of the stuff that she's saying. Oh my God, man! Like that was, that, man. Hold on, hold on. We ain't even finished yet. It start at an early age when you enter into the schools, and they, they what they do? They give you words and they give you definitions. I told y'all as these school systems is where they we start to where they begin to manipulate the mind. And I and I and I, as I stated earlier, I'm working on doing a lesson on that school system and how it was started and the things they were saying. And you have to have a test on these words and you have to make sure that you put in the right word with a definition. So when you get into the Bible, you start applying man's knowledge into the word. You never gonna be able to read it because the words in the Bible have a whole nother meaning. They have a whole other meaning. So you have to take the wolf off of, I mean, you have to take the mask off of the wolf, which means you have to go behind that superficial layer of what the scriptures is saying and see what's behind it. And when you go behind that, you will see what's really going on and you're going to wake up. When I found out who Jesus was, I cried for my family. I cried because I'm like, how the hell they deceived us like this? Yeah, yeah. It's a reason them pastors don't teach in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus. Hey, and host, when um this this is what's so crazy. Whenever somebody wants to start in the Bible, where do they always tell them to go? New Testament, nigga. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. So I'm I'm having this dialogue with my Bible, right? Goddamn. <laughs> I told her I don't believe in the New Testament. Mm. She started refuting me with the New Testament. And I said, You can't you can't give me that. You can't refute it to I said because because Testament. at the time <laughs> at the time there wasn't a New Testament. There was not. I told her. I said, yo, all we do, and this is what we do, right? The people that were born in it. Soon as something's challenged what they believe, they go right into the New Testament and they teach you from the book. I said, "Uh uh-uh. You got to give me history behind what you're talking about. Yes. Because a real scholar ain't going to go with you giving them stuff from the book because you are in your emotions. Mm. You got to be able to go into history and say, up, oh, that's when this happened. Up, oh, that's when that happened. I'm going to back up what I'm saying, not only in the book, but also in history. Because it matches up. It's like how y'all be hearing me talk about the, 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 um, the states and the Bible and the stuff that I be finding about the, the U.S., and I'm like, whew, that I, I saw that. Like that, that thing with Walter Pleckert. A native inwardly, but not outwardly. Mm-hmm. Biblical. You'll be a, a, a Hebrew inwardly and not outwardly. He said, y'all, everything about you, you will no longer have. Your whole heritage, you will no longer remember. Your language, your customs, your culture, all of those things that will be lost unto you. Y'all won't even remember my name. Mm. 
for y'all old school people that been with me since day one. Remember, we started off. I started off my podcast before I even started um, publishing it. I was giving it to friends and family. And I would go over the scriptures. And we spent the whole summer doing the prophets. Yes, we did. <sighs> Come on, y'all. The Gospels. You know why? When they start in the Gospels of Jesus Christ, they have now gotten the voice of man. They know how to hear from man. They don't have the discernment that comes from the Most High God. Because if you started in the Old Testament and you work your way down to that New Testament, you gonna know this don't sound right. This don't sound like the Most High God. But if you get yourself used to the voice of man, which is the dead God, then when you go to the Old Testament, you gonna think the Most High God is wrong. Oh, nigga, listen now. So I started off by listening to this this morning. And he was he was talking to a white lady who was like on it. Right? Then a, then a white guy, I mean, I'm sorry, a brother got on. Mm-hmm. And he started saying that the Old Testament guy was Satan. It's <laughs> like, nigga. The brother told him that was hosting it. He said, "Don't, don't you gonna you gonna get yourself in some real trouble by yes. making them statements, man. Yes. I, I promise you, don't say don't nothing that. like that. I, 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 I don't say no, uh, don't say nothing like that. Like that. No, 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 no. And he just kept saying it over. I said that ain't nothing but some evilness right, right there." He just kept saying the Old Testament God is evil. That's that's Satan. I, Satan only wants some people to die. That's that's. I said he, and then the brother um, told him like, "Look, you you don't want none of this. Don't don't do that because you're gonna really set yourself up. Let me tell you, God is not an enemy you want. No, he is not. And then we 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 quantify him by." Equating him to man, and that's that. Remember, remember. Okay, I'm. I'm mm-mm. Facts, facts, sis. facts, facts. Sis. That's the discernment that comes from the world. That's the discernment that they have. They have the worldly discernment where they hear from the God of this world. They don't have the discernment where they hear from the Most High God. That's why I told them when they go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that is when you serve in two masters, because you go from the dead God to the living God. Everything, uh, this is the awakening. Everything makes sense now, and we're trying to free the people, and the people don't want to be free. But God said in His Word, I think it's in Daniel 12 12, He said, The wicked will not understand, but the wise will understand. So we already know everybody ain't going to receive this. Absolutely, absolutely, sis. Absolutely. All praises to the most high. All praises to the most high. Thank you so much for letting me come up. Um, I got to get back to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get <laughs> up, man. Thank you. <laughs> for real, appreciate you, and yeah, you 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 got Thank some wisdom. You. I got uh thirty one, and it says, "And the Most High shall scatter you among the people, and you shall be left few in number among the nations. So the children of God will be scattered among the nations, whether the Most High shall lead you, and there you shall serve gods." The work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. So the prophecy is God's children would be scattered among the nations and they would serve basically idols. Okay, and that's what you see happening. 
They're going to serve idols. Because why? Because the deceiver, those that took them in captivity, right? Those that took them and put them in chains, okay? Now you see why they made you think it was a spirit. The devil. That's the term, right? Deceiver. That's right. The devil. That's why Malcolm X called white people the devil. Because he understood the spiritual connotation of the understanding of what what, what he was actually dealing with. It was the people, not an entity. Caught them their lives. That's why I said Christianity didn't come here with, with loving and kindness and all that stuff. You were taught. You were indoctrinated. You can get this book right here called How to Make a Negro Christian. It was all indoctrination, but it's right here. It's right here. You're going to be scattered among the nations, and you're going to serve gods, the work of men's hands. You're not going to be serving the Most High God. You're going to be serving their idols that the nations worship. Okay, because all the gods of the nations, that's Psalm 96, verse 5. Okay, all the gods of the nations are what? Okay, <clears throat> now, now that you've heard that, now, now I want you to be ready for this next thing. Because this is when the real shit hits. of the planet this this is called the caesar's messiah the caesar's messiah uh-huh who was jesus is he a historical character who wrote the gospels why are they written in greek why did they have a pro-roman perspective why was the religion headquartered in Rome? Those were the mysteries that I saw about the Gospels. And the thing about it is, seriously, people, we we really don't take any of those things into consideration. I promise you, when I heard this this morning, um, I was like, my God. And I didn't get a chance to finish it because I wanted to stop. And get um, get her in on this as well. But let's get to it. And you've always heard me say it. You've always heard me say it. Now, these are the scholars talking now. Because I know y'all didn't. I'm a nigga woman. Right? You ain't gonna believe me. But let's see what the white man say. Y'all ready, niggas? Let's get to it. The origin of the Christian religion has been a subject steeped in mystery for nearly 2,000 years. Joseph Atwell is one of a number of scholars today from all around the world who are questioning the historics when examining the actual... Okay, now, she said something very interesting about the crucifixion and the eating and the drinking of the blood. It makes you sick just thinking about it. Because it was 
We're not supposed to eat things sacrificed unto idols. That's Torah. That's right. This is why people have that contradiction about the frustration of the Bible because they don't know the backstory. And um, I think today you're going to get that. The last supper itself, too. Yeah, but we knew what it was. It was it was supposed to be a text. Okay, listen, it's going to come to you right now. Just listen. Hold up. Many of the answers provided by the church and Christian scholars do not hold up to rigorous scrutiny. This is really important for our culture. Okay, while we at it, this is for fair use only. I'm not making any money from this. To understand where Christianity came from. No doubt Christians have done a lot of good for the world. But then there are other Christians, often the most dogmatic, who create wars hatred, and other harm under the disguise of religion. In studying how Christianity emerged, many of our scholars agree that it was used as a political tool to control the masses of the day, and it is... Now, let me say this real quick, because I already know how people get once they start hearing certain things that contradict what you believe. Listen to the information. Given all that you've heard me discuss from all of the podcasts over the over the years and and breaking down scripture from the Hebraic reference, I remember listening to things like this as a Christian and being so mad. And I would throw it all out because my, my first like the, the the years that God was dealing with me on who we were. And who I am. And what I was really supposed to be doing, I fought it. Boy, I'm telling you, it was, was a, it felt like a fight for my life. Mm. Um, into another struggle, but <laughs> this is, this is, this is, um, I, I, I can't wait to tell you about what they, what I heard last night. Um, <laughs> And it was backed up today with this information. I was, man, God, God's so good. I, I'm like, he, he, he's so patient with us. And I think a lot of people have a misconception about the Old Testament God. Um, and, and that's because Christians told you that everybody had to comply with, with the Torah. And, and that's just not true. This the the Old Testament was only given to the children of Israel. It wasn't something that God commanded for the rest of the world. You forgot he tried that the first time. <laughs> it was unsuccessful, right? With the world keeping the principles. But he kept a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's how we were formulated. If they wanted to live, yes, they had to. But you have to, you have to. I, I was talking to Roland on um, Friday. He had called me. He sent me some stuff, told me to watch it. And then I I went back. It was the Texas stuff that, that I had sent him some stuff because there's some sh- stuff. Yeah. No, but you didn't. Like, there was a big thing of Cubans that took over the city in one place, uh, and they were saying how they was finna cut up. There's a lot of stuff going on in Texas that nobody really knows about half of the things that's happening there right now. What kind um, of 
they had the Cuban flag. They was all over. Remember, I sent you the video. Yeah, like I'm the whole streets you. was covered I up. Hear you. I... What kind of Cubans? Uh. Mm-hmm. The mestizos. So, um, <clears throat> probably not so much so mestizos. It's probably a whole bunch of mixtures in between there, because you know. They were saying they was taking their land back, goddamn. But even though they Cuban, they on the other side of town. You all the way on the water, goddamn. You Texas ain't your shit. That's the Mexican shit. If anybody's supposed to take it, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> that's a story for another day, anyway. Um, <clears throat> and once again, y'all look at me and, and will say I'm I'm racist. But I heard something very interesting today, and then I'm gonna hurry up because this is gonna be a long video. This is gonna be a long um, discussion. And there's some great points in here, and I'm not going to do too much talking. But um, you you got to take the information in. And I want you to think about everything you've heard me talk about as you listen to this, this information. I, I want you to make your decision after it's over. I also want you to come back and listen again. Just because a lot of times we hear stuff and we don't hear everything. It's just like reading the Bible. People say it's repetitory, but every time you read, you get something different. Something else pop out at you that you wasn't expecting to pop out at you. You got to you got to really um, you got to really take in sometimes some of the things that I be talking about, because some of those things you need to go back and listen again, because certain things will pop out at you once you become knowledgeable of things and you begin to live your life in a particular way. Sometimes you come back and then you'll say, wow, I missed that. And this is what I was supposed to gain from it. I'm going to say it again. For all y'all in here that that might be offended, my intention is not to offend. Even when I'm talking shit like niggas do this and niggas do that. I mean, truly, we are are all of sin. We all fuck up every day. We do things that are not right. And the thing about it is us trying the best to be the best of who we can be. And that's really what that's about. Okay, so I want you to listen, and I really want you to take in what's being said. Let's get to it. Still being used this way today. The problem is that Christianity has been used as a tool by government that uses the goodness in people against them. For example, support for the wars in the Middle East has been preached to evangelical Christians as a way to speed up the end of days. This is just one example of the way that propaganda is used to control and manipulate the populace. Actually, according to my study of the ancient texts, the second coming of the Christ has already occurred. Maybe we need to expect... And best believe it ain't what you think when he says it. Because a lot of people going to say, oh my God, the rapture take place. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. It's not even going to be what you think. Nope. And the possible answers about how Christianity originated and deeper questions need to be asked. Maybe we need to examine what political motives were behind the formation of the Christian religion. I think it's a requirement of alert citizens to know how the Gospels were written, why they were written, who produced them, what was the purpose and back of all this. This is good citizenry. Everyone should be involved in this. Today, we live on the brink of an immense paradigm shift. And this modern time is very parallel to the era in which Christianity emerged. Studying this ancient era can give us the perspective needed for coming up with solutions to today's problems. 
and for helping create the better world that we envision. As a human being, never existed. The presentation of the Jesus character, it's somewhat of a composite of many messianic leaders of the time. Well, let's just go back to the drawing board and uh, we'll leave aside all of the assumptions of Christian history and let's just look at the text afresh and consider every possibility. Let's, uh, let's open the whole game up. Can you think that Christianity is really paganism by a different name? Uh, now it feels completely obvious. Some of us are saying... He said, can you believe Christianity is pag- paganism by any other name? And he said, yes, I can now directly say that, which we already do know. Yeah. That this was a son God turned into a Jewish man. In all of this, we're dealing with literature. We're not dealing with history. So the answer is... When he says you're dealing with literature... That's exactly what I told you before. Yeah, How basically. when you're dealing with Christians regarding the Bible and the history of the Bible per- collectively, you don't they don't utilize history to back up their points to give what they're saying validity. Mind you now, we talk about history here. I bring you in on history. I back up stuff with stuff that that that's easily found, right? And if you're going to make something that important to you, you better know everything about it. Do that. And I found it interesting because the guy, there's a guy that called the dude on the, on the live mm-hmm. and he was trying to, he, he didn't know no scripture. He was only operating from his belief system. I was like, I would have tore down that house a long time ago because a lot of times we, we, we feel because our mothers and grandfathers and loving people taught us these things Mm -hmm. but you forgot the same people that taught them right light no there is no um, history to this character of Jesus it's entirely a literary creation some of our bible scholars are mavericks basically what they're telling you there is no historical proof of him but they drew from people within scripture. And to be honest, basically what they did was tailor his whole image after Moses. Yeah, pretty much. Y'all been hearing y'all been hearing me say this for the longest time. They even put it in there. If you know Moses, you know me. That's right. Nigga, that was the dick. That was the that was <laughs> That was the Easter egg in it. Yes, it was. If you don't know what an Easter egg is, it's like when watch you watching movies, they drop little hints that you 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 know little put little they set purposefully little things in the um in the set and to see if some people will catch it. They drop or put little things in there to see, just just hiding little gems within the backgrounds of movies. Little. Subliminals. Thank you. That's the best way to explain it. That was the Easter egg. Mm-hmm. 
That, all right. <laughs> Outside the restrictions of mainstream religious institutions, this allows them the freedom to provide fresh insights and draw some startling conclusions about how Christianity was formed. The Ark of Titus. I began reading a number of books on the subject. This turned into a decade-long research. For Joseph Atwell, the key was... He started reading, and it took a whole 10 years for him to formulate, to get to where he had to write this book. 10 years. I've been studying for 10 years. Wow. The Dead Sea Scrolls, the only Jewish literature ever discovered from the first century... And I still look at the Dead Sea Scrolls with a side eye. And I'm going to tell you yeah. why I look at it with a side eye. I look at it with a side eye because the Vatican was in full control of the excavation of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Right, <laughs> Y'all know how I am about them. And they're the ones who say they translated it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know what? You know what? This is this is. No one else. It's some people that still won't that. even look at straight Hebrew literature. They only prefer the Greek translation, the Septuagint, and they trust in that. But moving on. A.D. or C.E., the time that Jesus would have been preaching among the Jews. The characters in the Dead Sea Scrolls were militaristic. And you could see that this movement wanted to push the foreigners out of Israel. They were fundamentalists. Whereas the characters in the gospel are different. They are pacifistic. They are turning the other cheek. They're giving to Caesar what is Caesar. Which doesn't line up with Torah, does it? Right. How did a movement like Christianity come to exist in a region that was occupied by Roman soldiers and had Jewish zealots within it that were going to push these Romans out. How was that possible? I began studying the other two major works of the era, the New Testament and Wars of the Jews by Josephus, a Roman court historian who described the war between the Romans and the Jews in the first century. While reading these works side by side, I noticed an amazing connection between them. Certain events from the ministry of Jesus seem to closely parallel episodes from the military campaign of Roman Caesar Titus Flavius, a campaign which took place 40 years after... So basically, we were looking at Marciana Sinopo, but <laughs> Marciana Sinopo might not... Be, it don't seem like he is the person that actually did the writing. It was the Flavians. Pretty much, yes. Jesus supposedly lived. My efforts to understand these connections led me to an incredible discovery. Christianity had been invented by a little-known family of Roman Caesars, the Flavians. And they left us documents to prove it. The Flavians uh, are not a household name, and yet it's the Flavians who completely reshaped the Roman Empire. In Rome, of course, there's the, there's the Colosseum, which is uh, understood to be the best-known monument of the ancient Roman Empire, perhaps. The Colosseum is, in fact, a Flavian construction produced during the Flavian period. 
bitch. They just gave y'all a new version of the Coliseum, which is sports. Same thing, though, right? Yeah. Under the Flavians, that's both rabbinic Judaism and Christianity take shape. Rabbinic Judaism. Rabbinic Judaism is what you call the Jewish or the Babylonian Talmudic version of the children of Israel. More likely, um, the um, nations spin on the Hebrew people's culture. So, that's why you find rabbinic Judaism all up in the papacy. And ritualistic practices. Mm -hmm. It also brings you in that Egyptian element as well. Why would the Flavians be interested in creating religions? Much like today, their era was marked by political power struggles, a bankrupt economy, religious conflicts, and um, they got it from the Greeks, but that's a story for another day. Endless wars. In the midst of this turmoil, the Flavians seized control of the Roman Empire and ushered in an immense paradigm shift. To understand the Flavians' rise to power, we need to go back to the reign of the previous powerful rulers, the Julio-Claudian dynasty. Beginning with Julius Caesar in the year 49 BCE, the Julio-Claudians ruled Rome for over a hundred years, transforming the government from a republic into an empire. This family contained all the famous Caesars. Remember I told you, whenever we went into captivity and wherever that nation is that we were in, their economy flourished? At least not forget that. Julius, who predated the time of Jesus. Augustus, who was Caesar at the time of Jesus' supposed birth. Tiberius, who ruled during Jesus' supposed death, followed by the infamous Caligula. Then Claudius, and ending the Julio-Claudian dynasty with Nero, whose reign begins in 54 CE. The Julio-Claudians enjoyed a godlike status until the family degenerated and began to damage the Roman Empire. By the time of Nero, his famous decadence was bankrupting the empire, and the Jews of Judea were staging a huge rebellion against their Roman rulers. Judea was one of the many conquered provinces that made up the Roman Empire. This region, which was also known as Palestine, was controlled by a family that served as Rome's tax collector, the Herods. They were a Greco-Arab family, somewhat possibly Judaized, though only Judaized when it was convenient to please the subjects. They Now, you know they lying, man, right? See, uh, uh, let me not say they not lying to some degree. Mm. But mind you, why do they leave out the fact that these are Edom right. or descendants of Edom? All throughout this whole thing. Watch. Just pay attention to everything you hear. And they will never mention that the Herodians are Edomites or descendants of Edom. Mm. The cousins of the Hebrews. 
You remember Esau, right? Yeah. Who lost his portion to Jacob, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning they had a vendetta against the people. Yes. Right? Okay, now. Possibly where the Medici's come out of. Forgiven, who were put in power in Palestine and destroyed the previous Jewish ruling family, the Maccabean family, root and stalk. Besides being heavily taxed and ruled by a non-Jewish family put in power by Rome, the Jews were further inflamed by the requirement that a statue of the Caesar be placed for worship in every temple throughout the empire. In the Roman Empire, you could pretty much have any god you want, but legally you had to submit to the emperor as a god as well. You had to at least acknowledge that the uh, the Roman leader was also a divine figure. But the Jews would not have any of it. It's fundamental to Jewish belief that you shall make no graven images. It's one of the... I don't know. Why do you always say Jewish? Like, like Jews are the only no- term. This is the modern term of, of Hebrew, right? Okay, so note that, right? No idol worship. The commandments given at Sinai um, by God. So the Jews never made representations of God. The Jews had a very different type of religion. They had a religion which was much more focused on the book and less focused upon cultic statues. Note the term that the white people said. Because y'all wasn't listening when I said it. They were focused on the fact that the people revered the Torah and they want nothing to do with idols even though the niggas was playing with idols because we know this right we know that they were but after that Babylonian captivity shit was different yeah this was mind you now no they wasn't playing around Mm -mm. moving on This presented a real problem for the Romans. They tried to install statues of Caesar, but uh, the Jews weren't going to buy that at all. In fact, it aggravated them. It enraged them. And the the Romans really, I, I think, didn't understand this. It's not statues, it's books. And those books contained what are known as the Jewish messianic prophecies. The thing that most moved the Jews' revolt against Rome was an obscure prophecy from among their writings that a world ruler would come out of Palestine. Holy books inspired the Jews to expect a redeemer who would redeem Israel. There was supposed to be a Messiah that comes, but it told you that the people would appoint someone to speak for them on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Not that he was going to be a god and they was going to worship his ass. But this is not what they say in Christianity. Because we have no concept of what Messiah is. Rescue Israel, restore Israel to power and leadership in the world. The Messiah that the literature described was a warrior. The Messiahs would have claimed the same attributes that David did. David could overcome any army because God gave him the power to do it. If you had the power of God 
you could easily defeat the Roman army. Now, ain't that some shit? <laughs> yep. Yeah. See, see the before and then after? Just moving on. The people rebelled against Rome and were led by a messianic movement that had a series of messiahs that had come forward to fight against the Roman Empire. The Hebrew word Messiah is translated into Greek as Christos, or Christ, so the title of Christ can describe any of the numerous messiahs of this movement. Yes, the word Christ, or Christians, can uh, refer to the... Messiah is also not a Hebrew word. It's Mashiach. It's not even Hebrew. Messiah is not a, a Jewish term. It's not. It's Mashiach. Palestine Messianic Movement, um, but it's a later term, it's a later reformulation of the Messianic Movement in Palestine. This mo- Notes, it tells you the Messiah is a later term. Yes. Later term. A modern term. Exactly. But rebels against Rome in 66 and is successful. It actually defeats them militarily. So it must have been a huge movement. The victorious Jews set up a nation state directly in the Roman Empire. And the Romans had to do something about it. There was a real danger that this messianic movement could not only boil over in Judea itself, but. Did that not happen with the slave trade, Nix? Mm hmm. <laughs> to other Jewish communities and other parts of the Roman Empire. Rome ruled its colonies with a rod of iron, and any resistance was going to be met with brute force. At this time during Nero's reign, two of the finest military men in the empire were the Flavians, Vespasian and his son Titus. Vespasian and Titus were military men. They spent a great deal of their life outside of Rome. For over a decade, they had waged war against the Druids in Brittany and Gaul. Vespasian and Titus were successful in essentially destroying the Druids. They left behind no historical record of their existence. And it's the Flavians that... Note how they said they left no historical record of them. They learned that from the Greeks. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though the Greeks allowed them to keep their stuff. These damn Romans are sneaking. When he needs to suppress the Jews' rebellion in Judea. Nero responded by asking his best general, Vespasian, and his son Titus to go into Judea with a huge army, 60,000, 70,000 troops, and a similar number of support individuals. So they meant business. The Romans came down to crush the rebellion. In the year 66 CE, the Flavians begin their military campaign against the Jews. They start further north in Galilee, where the first of three key events takes place. They destroy the Jewish towns of Galilee. They also capture a Jewish rebel who later becomes a critical figure in the formulation of Christianity. This is where they captured one of the leaders of Josephus. the rebellion, a Jew named Josephus Bar Matthias. Now, Josephus presented himself to the Flavians as a prophet. 
He survived. He survived apparently by telling Vespasian that the prophecies of the Jews pointed out that Vespasian would become emperor. And of course he did. So Vespasian, quite like Josephus, he used him as a translator in his entourage. He used him to appeal to the rebels to surrender. At this point, Josephus became a turncoat and worked with the Flavians against the rebellion. Meanwhile, exactly. we should not forget exactly. this nigga was an Edomite as well. Exactly. Chaos is increasing back in Rome, where Nero's rule is being threatened. In the year 68, the Senate found the courage to depose Nero and he committed suicide. Now, in that circumstance, Vespasian was a prime candidate to become emperor. In the middle of this war, Vespasian returned to Rome and seized the throne. The Flavians then became the imperial family. With Vespasian becoming the new Caesar in Rome, Titus stays behind on the battlefield and sets his sights on Jerusalem, where the other two key events take place. Titus encircles Jerusalem with a wall, and finally he raises the temple, leaving not one stone atop another. It took a while. They eventually had to bring on starvation by building a wall, a barricade entirely enveloping the city. What happens, of course, is the temple in 70 is completely destroyed. For the Jews, it was the ultimate calamity because, of course, this was the house of their God and it was destroyed by the Romans quite thoroughly. Titus, of course, was the victor of this great siege. Titus carried the spoils of this captured city back to Rome for his triumph. He took the treasures of the temple, their famous seven-branch candlestick, but you could see it on the arch of Titus in Rome. It celebrates that tremendous victory of Rome, again triumphant, and Titus, of course, is the hero of the day. Of the artifacts from the temple that they seized, they put on public display in what they refer to... It was not where they found it. It was found in the Grand Canyon. You're talking about the... The, the, the picture of them taking from the, the temple. How did you know this? Because I, I, I saw it. <laughs> I looked it up. They actually got that... The they got that picture. They found it. And they excavated it and found it carved into the mountain at the Grand Canyon. What? Yes, they did. They carved it. They found the carving in the mountain at the Grand Canyon. So that's why they brought it over there. Mm-hmm. As the palace of peace, except for one item, the Jewish scripture Josephus records that the Flavians took and placed in their private palace where no one was allowed to see it. Although Titus Flavius successfully ended the rebellion in Judea, another rebellion soon broke out in Alexandria, Egypt. The Flavians were clear that this was not the end of the Jewish messianic movement. They also recognized that it was the Jews' messianic literature that was fueling this movement. So once they captured the Jewish... So mind you now, they said it was the Torah that was fueling the literature. 
Yeah. Now you see why they don't want us to study our oh, this is why. heritage or be connected to it. Because they already know once we come into the knowledge of it, it's going to be ugly. This is why they've been... This is why your country has been preparing for a black uprising. This is where Alexander comes in. Yep. And he's going to start your damn too. And he did the worst thing. Scripture, they had all other copies of it destroyed. And that's why the Dead Sea Scrolls had to have been buried in a cave. Because that was the only way they could be safe from the Roman destruction. There was not a single scrap of literature found from the Messianic movement until the scrolls were discovered. That's why they're such a treasure, because they're the only real voice of the Messianic movement that we have. And the real voice of the Jews' Messianic movement, according to our scholars, was violent and militaristic, not the pacifistic version depicted in the Gospels. War against Rome was a Messianic war. So that's why I say that the scrolls are not only the literature of the Messianic movement in Palestine, they're also the literature of the war against Rome. The Romans needed to subdue the Jews' religion, so they set about influencing it and changing it. They realize I can't destroy the Jewish religion altogether. That's not their objective. They realize they're sensible enough to realize that they can't do that. So what you have to do is try to create a type of Judaism that is benign. And... It's exactly coinciding with the rise of the Flavian dynasty is the arrival of two benign forms of Jewish ideology. It's during this... Two different forms of Judaism or Hebraic ideology. Mm-hmm. That's where Judaism comes in. Least you not forget that God said he would give them the power to do what? Change times and laws. Period that a new literature enters history, which describes a peace-loving. Do you know why he allowed them to change times and laws? Because the niggas said, we want to be like the other nations. We want to do what they do. They came in. We don't want to obey your rules. They stormed the tabernacle. God said, oh, you want to be like the other nations, huh? All right. All right, niggas. That's what you want? Mm. Go on out there. They burned the pig. They brought the pig in the the temple. Turn the other cheek, preaching Jewish Messiah named Jesus Christ. But if the Flavians wrote the Gospels, how could a Roman family know how to write Jewish literature that refers to Jewish prophecy? The answer lies in the Flavians' collaborations with a number of Jewish intellectuals, beginning with their own court historian, Josephus. Josephus arrives back in Rome with Titus. He becomes an adopted member of the Flavian family. An amazing turn of events for the Jewish turncoat. He becomes Flavius Josephus. We still just gonna forget this nigga is a whole Edomite in these streets and he's not one of our ancestors, right? We, why why it was so easy for him to just turn over on the shit now? Because once again, they don't mention his... Moving on. 
Josephus at this time is writing the Josephus is the same Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. That's him, niggas. That's history of the war and he records that titus gave him the jewish scripture josephus's histories have always been associated with the origins of christianity time and again you can find parallels between what josephus writes and what turns up in the gospels it's a powerful evidence of their true origin in reading the works of josephus side by side with the gospels scholars have noticed that's why the Masonic Jews don't like his ass. <laughs> and mind you, he tell you who Christ is in his book. Parallels between the two works. It appears as though the history of Josephus records events that fulfill the prophecies of the Old and New Testaments. Early Christians understood this connection. In fact, when the Bible first began to be printed in the Middle Ages, it included the history of Josephus. He was employed to write the official history that we have. The other histories from this period have been destroyed ruthlessly by the Romans. Mind you, niggas. Mind you, now. That was the one King James had. This is why they tell you <laughs> that the CIA means Catholic Intelligentsia Agency. Because intelligentsia and propaganda was their hallmark. Yes. And the papacy was so good at this shit, nigga. <sighs> Josephus tells us this in very chilling passages, how the Romans exerted complete control of the literature of this period. There were alternative histories of the Jewish war written. Well, the Romans rounded up the writers of those histories and executed them. They rounded up all the copies of those histories and destroyed them. That is to say, they ruthlessly wiped out any alternative history so that the only history we have is written by Josephus. And let's remember who Josephus was. Chief propagandist of the, the Flavian dynasty, and he was very, very successful. He moved back to Rome. Oh, but they forgot about them motherfucking Americans, though, then, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they did. <laughs> well, that's a story for another day. Uh huh. Now, now you see why they had all those book burnings too. He was given a uh, an apartment in the emperor's own townhouse, and he was appointed the chronicler of the Roman Jewish War using Vespasian's own diaries of the events. Also in the pages of his history, Josephus declares that the Jews' Messiah or Christ is none other than Flavius Vespasian and his dynastic family. To put it succinctly, Josephus says that there was a prophecy that a world... Now, niggas, y'all should be saying, now what now? <laughs> <laughs> now what now? Niggas. Now what now? Now what now? The ruler would come out of Palestine. The Jews thought this applied to one of their own. They were wrong in their interpretations. So Josephus was critical in telling them that Flavius was the Messiah that they've been waiting on. And it wasn't a Jew. It was not. 
but a Roman. Mm-hmm. Let's not even forget about Pontus Mac- Maximus. He is the most cynical interpretation. He applied it to the rise of the Roman emperor in Palestine. Josephus recorded that the Messianic prophecies foresaw not a Jew, but Vespasian and his dynasty. In fact, now you see why the Christians don't like Josephus' ass. <laughs> all of the Flavian historians recorded that the Flavian Caesar was the Christ. It was important to the Flavian. And let's, at least you'll not forget the terminology came from the Hebrew word, Mashiach. Mm-hmm. And those are leaders or anyone that works the hand or do the will of God. So if the will of God was to whoop the people's ass, niggas, then they would still be considered a Bashiach. Yeah. In essence. They carried out his wishes. That's it. That they be seen as the Christ, as divine and godlike. And this was not mere vanity. The Julio-Claudians before them had already established that presenting themselves as gods was a powerful tool in controlling their subjects. When the Flavians took over the throne, they inherited an enormous bureaucracy that was already in place. The Imperial Cult, which was dedicated to promoting the idea of Caesar as a god. Another part of the puzzle is the Roman imperial cult. Why is it important? Well, because it coincides with that same period of time as the emergence of the Christ cult. You had a whole social community. The whole social structure of these conquered territories um, was governed by the imperial cult. And if you wanted to succeed, the key social community to join was the imperial cult, because that's where all the movers and shakers were. This idea of the emperor becoming an, uh, an object of worship was well established in the Roman system before Vespasian and Titus came along. It was prevalent in, in all major centers. It had its own priesthood. There was a ceremony, an annual celebration annual games for the imperial cult now it had many characteristics which would later color the christian cult it grew in the same centers it made claims that were later transferred to christ the julio claudians had claimed that they were of divine descent and that they were therefore legitimate their power base was the roman aristocracy the roman nobility all of that collapsed Did you into see those this power names? vacuum. Vespasian was That's declared emperor by the troops, right. by the Roman army. So effectively, it was a military coup. With the change of dynasty, they have to create a whole mythology to legitimize that dynasty. At the same time, they're creating a whole mythology to counter Jewish nose. messianism. Somewhere along the line, those two things get mixed together. When Vespasian died, Titus began the process of having his father deified. This is a complicated process because only the Roman Senate can bestow on an individual the title of Deus or God. Titus came to the Senate and presented evidence that the life of his father had been divided. Certainly this would have included the military. What? Titans. Giant people. Titans. 
That's what her name comes. Titus. <laughs> By <laughs> deified people. The 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 Titans. The Titans. Yes. Titus. Yes, I, I got you. Roman mythology. I got you. The Olympians, or whatever they want to call it. That's Greek mythology. Yeah, Campaign that the Flavians waged through Judea. And it's at this time I think the Gospels. Notice they were tripping on the lion now. Because the theological structure in the Gospels of a God the Father and the Son of God is the same one that Titus would have been presenting to the Roman Senate. Well, the Roman Senate did accept Titus's evidence, and Vespasian was deified and became a god. Titus therefore became the son a son of God. arch of Titus that still stands in modern Rome today is inscribed with a dedication to the divine Titus, son of the divine Vespasian, or son of a god. This imperial cult set up to worship Caesar as God also provided the basis for the structure of the Roman Catholic Church. Now the rituals, paraphernalia and symbols of paganism were transferred wholesale to the Christian church. The most obvious and clear example is where the title of the pagan chief priest of Rome, the Pontifex Maximus, became the title of the Pope. The The Pontifex Maximus. The Pontiff. And they call him what? The Pontificate. Yes. I don't get no calls all day yesterday. Here we go again. Christian Pope. If you look at who held the original bishop positions in the Catholic Church in those early times, you will see that they are members of the same pagan aristocracy. They simply changed their clothing a little bit. They wore the same garments, but they wore slightly different headdresses. They had become from being a priest of a pagan cult to being a priest of Rome. Where the Vatican... What the hell's going on? I'm sorry, y'all. My aunt called. I had to take that call. Yes. Stands. There was once a pagan temple which celebrated the mysteries of a dying and resurrecting God-man who wasn't Jesus. There are many churches in Rome, I've been to a few, where you go above into the church and there's Jesus. And you go underneath and there's a little sanctuary of Mithras. Mithras. Let me me spell it for you so you can look it up for yourself. It's M-I-T-H-R-A-S. Mithras. And Mithras looked just like the white Jesus, nigga. Yes, he did. basically the same figure. So the Roman plot to invent Christianity is just so clever when you think about it. Through the Pope, who is God's representative on earth, they no longer needed expensive standing armies, wars and punishment of disobedient peasants. They could, through religion, rule their subjects. And nigga, they did a damn good job of it. They did. Mind you now. Of 
Over time, Roman Christianity propagated throughout the empire by way of the mass media of the day, the Roman roads. The Romans must have approved of this new religion because, as some scholars ask, if the Gospels really were Jewish literature about a Roman sentenced criminal, why wouldn't they have been destroyed? One of the really surprising things for me was to realize the extent of Roman control of propaganda and of literature. So that when you suddenly get all of this Christian literature arising in this period, one has to ask, well, how did that happen? The conclusion that one has to reach is that that could not have happened without some degree of complicity uh, on the part of, uh, of the Romans. So that uh, one is led to the conclusion that the Romans must be involved in the production of this literature. Produce and disseminate this literature was a huge undertaking, and the Flavians undoubtedly had collaborators. We know they were funded by the wealthiest family in the world at this time, the Alexanders, yep. a Jewish family who served as Rome's tax collectors in Egypt. Remember the scriptures talked to you in the Old Testament about those money changers and tax collectors? Not in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. They dabbled in currency and slave trade is the marker. Those were the two highest things on demand of those families. And it never stopped. No, they didn't. The Herods in Judea. The Alexanders had strong motivation to keep the Jews' messianic movement from threatening their position and their wealth. Once again, like the who? The Herodians. Who are the Herodians? Those Edomite families, nigga. One of their family members was Philo of Alexandria, a famous Jewish theologian who was already writing works that combined Jewish beliefs with the modern Greek and Roman pagan beliefs of the day. Many scholars agree that his writings form the basis for much of the philosophy of Christianity. In Remember I told y'all that Judaism is a big component to the Roman Catholic Church. Post-Babylonian captivity. Not pre. Pre means before. Post means after. These pages is uh, practically every concept that you can find within Christianity. He combined Greek philosophy and he took that and he combined it with Judaism. On top of that, he was from an extremely wealthy family. And this is important because you have to follow the money when you're looking at major trends, new paradigms being set. Come on. And if you look at his family, then you start seeing, uh, well, this is interesting because now we're starting to come across the Flavians again. Remember I told you, if you ever want to know anything about a movement, follow what? The money. And you'll know the intention or motive of whatever that thing is. Mind you, like Black Lives Matter. Who funds it? Jews. They do. The YCP. 
too. Like the LGBTQ. Who funds that? Technically, yes. But NAMBLA is the highest oh, contributor. The National Man Gay Boy Association. NAMBLA. The highest contributor to your LGBTQ. We know the Jews are in touch. But they gave them, but the, they give them the money. It. They gave them the funds to do it. Yep. His relatives are very involved with the Flavians. That whole area is where we want to look very closely for the Christian origins. It's from exactly this same circle of people that you get the first signs of Christian ideology. And they all lead to the rise of the Flavian dynasty. Another wealthy, influential character, Princess Bernice, was from the Herod family in Judea. She's the granddaughter of Herod the Great. A product. A mulatto. Probably. Yeah. There she go. Oh my god, she looks like Jasmine Guy. Of the Herod's intermarriage with the conquered Jewish ruling Does messianic she? lineage. She does. Princess Bernice appears in the New Testament, which makes her an interesting character. She had two or three husbands. And that's how you know. Those Edomites are niggas. The mixed ones. <laughs> yes. And then became the mistress of Titus. So you can see this again, rather like dynasty here. You know, powerful mm -hmm. people, mixed mix. marriages, you know, shacking up mm -hmm. with the conqueror. I told you. Um, yeah, and it's really where Joe Atwell takes his no, idea. So Edom is yeah, when mixed really, people. Well, Edom, but, but remember... Edom comes from two black parents. That's right. He was just a red bone. Oh. Every hair. I thought they, I thought they were white, white, but no. No. Oh, wow. Because they came from the same mama. Remember, those are the twins that was in the belly fighting. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Of a oh, conspiracy yeah. to oh, write the New now. Testament. But <laughs> let I him say it in his own words. Bernice was Which a Herod related by marriage to the Alexanders, and of course later she became the mistress to Titus. The fact that yeah, she was so closely linked with the Flavian shows you that the three families were very unified in financial, romantic, and likely theological issues. Yep. But don't we see that now? Yes. That's, that's the same ideology that you've seen in Europe. It is. Exactly the same thing right here is marrying within the families in order to keep the strength of the families grown. With the Medici's and and who, who was the who's the other family that was with them during that time? I forgot their name. The rival family of the Medici's. I can't think of a name. I, and we we gonna go over it anyway. Don't worry about it. By the looks of things, this coalescence seemed to have brought about a dynamic that led to the synthesis of Judaism and paganism and eventually became Christianity. So th this is a very key time period. I believe that the Gospels were actually written under the control of the Herods, the Alexanders, and the Flavians. These families had the motivation to create Christianity 
And with the expertise in Judaism that the Alexanders and the Herods had, they... Didn't I tell your last them Alexanders and those Herods were Edoms? You were around two families. Mind you, the Jewish... The Jewish... Um... Um... Rabbi Finkelstein talks about this shit. Man. Had the actual technical ability to come up with these stories that are fulfillment of Hebraic prophecies. So it seems the Flavians had the motivation. Pause. Remember, I've been telling y'all for the longest time that the Edomites and the Romans were in cahoots with this. The whole Christian religion. This is my proof. But I'm going to say it again. Notice how they never mention Edom. They never bring that name up. But it's critical for you to understand what you're dealing with. The means and the collaborations through which they likely constructed and began disseminating Christianity. And if our scholars are correct, one of the documents they left behind are the Gospels themselves. I began working on the study of the Gospels in the 1970s, and I look at texts in terms of how were these composed, what does understanding their structure tell you about who wrote them, and why they were written. These texts were not independent Jewish texts, but they were created as literary works using classical literary models. If we expect that this is the testimony of witnesses, we've got a major problem. We actually have four anonymous documents. Are you saying the names, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those guys, right? That's who they're referring to. They were not written by the named people on those documents. This is simply church tradition that the Gospels are so named according to Mark, according to Matthew. So this idea that the, the Gospels are reliable testimony is patent nonsense. Why are the Gospels called Gospels? That's a critical question. The word gospel in Greek is evangelion, and it means good news of military victory. Who's mi- I'm sorry? Let's look up that name again. Evangelion. Evangelion. Right? And it's spelled E-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-O-N. Evangelion. It's a Greek word for good news of military victory. Notice how they even shorten that. You know where else they did that in history, niggas? Let's see if you can know. Let's see if you know. No? You remember the origin of species? That was shortened too. The whole title, the origin of species and the preservation of the favored races. See how they shorten shit? So you won't be on on top of it. Evangelion. Good news of military victory. Would Christians say... Victory? Are we celebrating here in the Gospels? Well, it seems to me 
that we are celebrating clearly the Roman military victory because these events, the um, um, Battle of Gadara, the Battle of the Lake of Galilee, the successful Battle of Jerusalem, these are battles that the Romans that won. I need Why are the Gospels celebrating battles that the Jews lost if these things were written by the Jews? The fact that the Gospels are known to us in Greek and and not in uh, uh, Aramaic or Hebrew is, I think, just evidence of, of their authorship. They were not written by any followers of Jesus who would have surely spoken Aramaic. And if they had been fishermen and simple folk, they would not have had the literal skills to write them anyway. If we look closely, there actually are clues in the Gospels that point to who the true authors were. A lot of the Christian literature advocates turning away from the Jewish law and obeying Roman law. Well, this, this fits perfectly into Roman propaganda purposes. And then you have, in general, the portrayal of Jesus. Remember Deuteronomy 13, right? Told us not to do what? Add to nor take away from. And if any one of our brothers or sisters come preaching something different like the young lady said at the beginning of this this is why i wanted you to hear what she said because hearing what she said now backs up what she said right Mm -hmm. so if tara tells us that we're not supposed to accept anything outside of what god had given our our forefathers now you understand why it says a new testament meaning new to you or in addition to what you already have. And he already told you you can't have it. And because we don't know the Torah. We are ignorant in understanding the voice of our God. Versus the voice of our enemy's God. As the peaceful Jew who is wandering around in what is depicted as a sort of a pastoral scenes. Talking to fishermen and farmers and so forth. When in fact... This is a war zone. Judea is a war zone. And And let's take it back again. God distinctively told you who and what is supposed to be the teacher in teaching the word. Mm -hmm. He said it would be who? The Levites. Mm -hmm. And there was a sin done by by the king of Israel. Where he changed the times and laws to fit his own desire. And God said that was a great sin. And not only did he do that, he appointed the Dan Danites in the position of the Levitical order, which was also something that was considered very wrong. Yes. So if, if our brothers did it, what greater sin is it when our enemies do it? And I think that's the part that people miss is that this was done, but people never, Christians never read the Old Testament. So they wouldn't connect the dots. Mm -mm. So they wouldn't understand everything that's going on in the New Testament are direct violations of the laws of God. Which is why people will tell you the Bible don't make sense. Because they don't understand that the New Testament was directly placed in there in order to cause us to sin against our God. And they knew as long as we sinned against our God, right? We 
We will be in a direct violation. Hold on. Let me help you to understand what I mean. Even their money tells us what I'm talking about. Right? Mm -hmm. On the back of the dollar bill, it has an a newest, um, uh, what is it? Hold on. Let me, let me, let me, because I wrote it down. And I wrote it down because I needed to bring this forth today with this information. I think I have it here. Um, and knew it, uh, coeptus. And knew it, coeptus. It means in one of two m mottos on the reverse side of the great seal of the United States. The literal translation is he favors or has favored our undertakings. He favored our undertakings. The favor to take control of the children. And they tell you that. In embracing the fact that 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 they telling you that our God left us and that favored their undertaking or their ability to take us over. Mm -hmm. Come on, y'all. You, you, you can't. There's no way you can't see that. You got it. You got to see. Ask yourself, well, why is it not portrayed as a war zone? Yeah. I mean, they really had it down pat. They kept yeah. Jesus saying, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Which is basically in response to talking about money. Whose benefit would that be? It's so blatantly obvious. The perception of Roman characters in the Gospels, they're all interpreted in a favorable light. They are pro-Roman. They do not depict the Romans as the forces of evil. They reverse that. It's the Jews who become the forces of darkness. It's very striking that various passages in the Gospels refer to the Jews as some people separate from the heroes of, of Jesus and his disciples. The Jews are those who object. The Jews are those who try to thwart the divine plan. Now, that gives us a clue, certainly, to who were the true authors of this book. They are works of literature created by people who are trained in Jewish literature, but whose values are pro-Roman. The Romans wanted to promote anti-Semitism, and so they arranged the story of the beloved man-god, Jesus Christ, to appear as if the Jews had brought about his death. Because of this, uh, the Jews would have to suffer anti-Semitism throughout history. So this was a piece of work that could not have been done except by a fairly established literary team, such as the literary team that was in Rome actually writing the books of Josephus. I mean, that was written by a literary team, and it was written uh, as one of the um, attempts to uh, give prominence to the Flavian Caesars, which the Gospels also do. So it is extremely likely that the Gospels, um, as a form of epic, uh, designed to magnify allegorically the Roman Caesars is also written um, at the court of the Flavian emperors. But the Jesus story takes place many decades before the Flavians came to power. 
why would the Flavians create a work about a Jewish Messiah that wasn't even from their own era? The Gospels were very precisely backdated 40 years. Jesus' ministry was started in 30 CE, exactly 40 years from the destruction of the temple. His ministry ends at Passover, 33 CE, which is 40 years before the end of the Jewish-Roman War, which occurred at Passover in 73 CE with the famous Battle of Masada. The Gospels are backdated into the period of Pontius Pilate. That is to say, before the First Jewish War, which is to say, in the Julio-Claudian period. But this is typical of Flavian literature. It's a Flavian technique. What they do is they backdate this story into the period of their enemies, namely the Julio-Claudians. And so, generation after generation of Christian scholar and oh. even secular right. historians go hunting in the Julio-Claudian yeah. period for the origins of the Gospels. They don't because really find any answers the there. Uh -huh. There are allusions in the Gospels to the destruction years of the ahead of time. The most reasonable answer to that is that these texts were written after the destruction of the Temple. That is to say, in the Flavian period, after the change of dynasty. This backdating of the story of Jesus Christ, 40 years earlier from the time the Gospels may actually have been written, explains why many of the prophecies of Jesus came true within exactly 40 years. What does this all add up to? In my view, the thing that is most significant is the research by Joseph Atwell in his book Caesar's Messiah, which suggests that the Gospels were actually created as works of Roman propaganda at the end of the Roman Jewish War under the reign of the Flavian emperors, that is Titus Caesar and Vespasian Caesar. And if you end up worshipping Jesus, what you will really end up doing is worshipping Caesar in disguise. This may have been how the Flavians finally got the Jews to worship Caesar. No, I know, niggas. I know this is going to make you mad. It should make you mad. It shouldn't make you mad at me. It should make you mad at them folks that did this shit. As a god, by giving them Jesus Christ, a messiah more to the Romans' liking. But is there any actual history to this character? Where did he really come from? The mystery to me begins with his very name. In Greek, Jesus means Savior and Christ means the Messiah. This didn't strike me as something you would call a young child. Savior These Messiah. two words are already important within Judaism before Jesus Christ supposedly existed. Major biblical figures to a Jewish Greek speaking populace would already be called Christ. Their ears would already be acclimated to accepting this this title that so it isn't just a, a unique name of a, a single person who that just suddenly popped up what did we it's because the disconnection of understanding what the word mashiach means because they know that you have no connection to your your history they know you don't know anything about your customs they know you you've been cut off from your language they know all of this stuff, everything that you've been cut off from and disconnected from makes it more impossible for you to understand what you're reading. 
And that's why they made you ignorant to it. Man, like, this is some real wicked shit. And most people will say, oh, well, God did it. No, he allowed it to happen. Because we didn't, we didn't appreciate it. Right. Do you understand? It's like you have a teenager, you know, and you miss, and teenagers can be very rebellious. And you're trying to 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 protect them and teach them certain values because in their mind, they believe they know better than you. Mind you, that was the other thing that the school system said that it would do. It would cause children to doubt their parents. That's that's what they said they had in mind for the first the beginning of the educational system was to undermine their parents. They wrote this shit. Isn't that what kids do? No, but they didn't in the beginning. But when they sent their kids to school, they start because mind you, kids used to work on goddamn farms. They weren't undermining their parents then. No. It wasn't until they asked to put in public school when they started undermining their parents. Because the way they taught them, it was to make them believe that their parents were illogical or didn't know. Because most of the kids' parents had no education. Yes. So the first place you send your kids to is a place that is set up for them to literally teach your children to undermine your authority. Nigga. Oh, I, I, I. And that's when the kids started leaving home. I just want to say this. At that point. It takes us back to what we were discussing last week. When we were talking about these movements in history. With the teenager being utilized as a term now. Because this is what teenagers do. They rebel. No. Y'all set this shit up from its inception. Yeah. I'm going to touch on that school stuff later on. Actually know about Jesus Christ the man. I don't think that Jesus can be historically defended. I don't think there's any evidence that we can extend to that particular Jesus. So when you actually set out to investigate the historical Jesus as opposed to the Christ of faith you very abruptly enter a void you find that whereas you might imagine the core details of Jesus are readily known and accessible you actually discover there's no such thing exactly further basically basically what they're saying is because they pushed it forward 40 years it made it even more difficult for you to trace down who he is because of the time period they set him in and mind you you've heard me say this multiple times they keep moving the goalposts when it comes to a lot of biblical um archaeology the timeline is off it is and this is how you know why the timeline is off because they purposely set the timeline off in order for the book to have validity and we're not talking about the whole bible totally we talking about the new testament here these are reference. Everything he's just, they're discussing has nothing. You notice how they ain't, they ain't even touched the Old Testament or said nothing negative about it. Right. But all of the issues and the problems is with the New Testament itself. Mind you now. The problem they find for archaeologists is to find any validity of the New Testament. They had to find proof. 
Exactly. To make it valid. And this is where Christians get mad. And I'm, I was one of them niggas. Because that programming is real. Goddamn. It's funny how they have to find proof to in order to justify the New Testament, but there's uh, so much proof. It's proof of the Old Testament, the Old so Testament they stand with that. Alone, so it can't be. There's no need. It's to now refuted. It. Yes, because there's because proof of there's it. There's proof. There's evidence. There's no need to prove it. And you there's just know it. It's a fact. Exactly. But you have to find artifacts. You have to find scriptures. And all these things in order to prove the, New, the Testament, New Testament it has is valid. It's valid. Yes. But the information they're finding is of something completely different than what's you being produced. To, you even have to prove the science of it too. You do. In order for the testament, old testament to be valid. Let's not forget that this he miraculously he miraculously came into existence just like every other um, Titan, because because technically, if you look at it, he's a Titan, is he not? Yes, pretty much. But you ain't even. <sighs> All right, then. Archaeologic evidence of Jesus Christ that had ever been discovered. You cannot find an established and incontrovertible biography of Jesus at all. It doesn't exist. You enter a strange twilight zone of early Christian belief. What we have here is... Notice he said belief. Early Christian beliefs. A belief is not something that is concrete or tangible. You can't put your hands on that shit. Just because you believe something does not mean it exists. Motherfuckers believe in aliens. That don't mean the motherfuckers exist. Yes. And that's a story for another day, too. That's what they With Project Blue Beam. That's why they only hold on to artifacts. No, that's why Christians only hold on to beliefs. Everything about the New Testament for them is a belief system. It has no concrete validity. Moving on. Is not a movement that's grown on the accretion of legends on a, a real flesh and blood man, but instead the the development of a religious movement around the idea of a man. There isn't even an actual physical description of what Jesus looked like anywhere in the Gospels. The presentation of the Jesus character, it's somewhat of a composite of many messianic leaders of the time, many messianic leaders of the time, most or all of whom came to a bad end, usually by crucifixion, because crucifixion was the Roman punishment for seditious activity. And the penny drop, the penny drop that Jesus, as a human being, never existed. In all of this, we're dealing with literature. We're not dealing with history. So the answer is no, there is no um, history to this character of Jesus. It's entirely a literary creation. What the Romans did was they saw the Jews' reliance and belief in prophecy. So they said, okay, they want a prophet. Let's give them one. It seems that in the construction of the literary character Jesus Christ, the Roman authors borrowed religious concepts not only from Judaism, but also from other gods and religions that they knew. Some scholars have noticed the similarities between the story of Jesus and the ancient pagan mysteries. In ancient mythology, we find this whole strain of thought called solar mythology. 
many gods start taking on solar attributes because as agricultural communities become more important, the sun becomes the big focus for the most obvious reasons of planting and harvesting. The sun is then personified. So now we have a male sun god. It becomes a religion in many parts. of Apollo. Of course. Of course, <laughs> Saturn. I think the the writings of um, um, what's his name, um, Paul might have came later on. Right on like rings, wedding rings. Oh yeah, because wedding Saturn rings is about rings. the worship of Saturn. Yeah. The world. Christianity usurped a tremendous amount of sun worship. Some of us are saying that. This was a sun god turned into a Jewish man. Yeah, exactly. This December 25th birthday was, in fact, the winter solstice. Exactly. This is really, in fact, the birth of the god of light. December 25th actually is the end of a three-day period of when the sun stands still. The sun appears to be dying as the days become shorter, and the sun is reborn at that point. Across the ancient world, there was this form of experiential and philosophical spirituality in these mystery cults or mystery schools. Uh, and at the centre of these schools, you would find a uh, mythos, which was an initiatory myth, a symbolic myth, which would help uh, people who were going through the initiatory process come to this spiritual awakening, this knowledge, this what they call gnosis. And what you see in these myths is the elements that will later become the Jesus story. Let's ask the question, is Jesus developed from pre-existing literary characters? Yes, Horace has certain episodes in this so-called life, and each one of them can be traced Isis to a prior representation of that and, time. Yep. If you look at the, the elements which we found in the pagan mystery school myths, you find the story of a dying and resurrecting son of God. Yes. Who's born of a virgin, has 12 disciples, turns water into wine at a wedding. Uh, he brings a new religion of love. Let's not forget, niggas. Let's not forget that the translation of all the Earth's religions was done by the papacy, goddamn Jesuit niggas, goddammit. It is... Uh, and I say this because I didn't get caught up because a lot of us getting caught up in this shit. And a lot of us, the problem is a lot of us is we don't believe in researching really to get basic understanding. Now, if you got all these Jesuits translating the world religions, niggas, you don't think that the papacy is behind that shit so it can make it all look like Christianity? Mm. But tweak it so much so. I mean, like they didn't done it before, right? With the, with the New Testament, they done it before. It worked. So why can't they do it again? Right. Oh, come on here now, Father. Deal with us. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Nigga! <laughs> That's why I'm like, oh, y'all around here with crystals and shit. Your ass don't pay attention to nothing. Y'all keep following the, the same <laughs> Oh, my God. Y'all keep following the same shit. They keep catching y'all ass up. That's why they can do those things, though. <sighs> Whew, Father. Crystals. And sage. Yoga. Okay, let's keep going because this is going to be a minute. Heresy or a, a, a provocation by the authorities is put to death, sometimes by crucifixion. 
And then if you want to commune with the God-man, you take bread and wine. And then you can come to eternal life. Well, all of this is, of course, Christianity. Easter itself is a long pre-Christian celebration of the resurrection of uh, spring yes. the death of winter. This is an ancient shamanic rite you'll find all over the world, that you go through a ritual death where you get reborn, but you're reborn as an awake being. So you die just to your lower nature. Note how none of this is in Torah. Born and reborn. That's why they believe in reincarnation. This is why it's mentioned in only in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in the, the Jewish mythology as well. It isn't just pagan parallels. I mean, the New Testament, for example, the Ascension. We have an Ascension with the Old Testament figure of Elijah. And it's a very dramatic Ascension. Elisha, Elijah cycle. These are two Jewish prophets, one followed on from the other, um, which have many of the, the story elements found in Jesus. For example, there is a multiplication of... And I believe that was placed there in order to make the New Testament valid. The ascension. Because it happened before, right? Because let's not forget that... That is also written in our book that they would lay hands on our books. Yes. And paint the likeness of their gods within it. Mm-hmm. So it, it still takes for us to be able to walk in understanding and principles and oneness with the creator God and gain this understanding. And I know a lot of people will be like, well, how can you still say those things and then believe what you believe? Because the other prophecies concerning these niggas is too dangerous. And they, they ain't going to put that in there for, for their benefit. No. Yo, had, like the, you remember what the lady said? Your eyes had to be open to understand or unlock what's being said in the text. Because he told us we would be what? Our eyes would be what? Closed. And we'll be what? Spiritually dead. And why are we spiritually dead? Because we're disconnected from our father. And given a whole other God to chase after. Just saying. Miracle. There is a raising of the dead miracle. There, there is a water miracle. There is an ultimately an ascension to heaven miracle. Is this fulfillment or is this simply copying of a useful theme? You can see where they just used Old Testament characters and scriptures as a blueprint to create this new one. A lot of the ethics of Christianity actually were around before Christianity. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you is in fact from the Old Testament. Thank you. uh, Jesus didn't make that up. Many of the other aspects of Christian ethics, many things which we might like to applaud as very good aspects of Christian ethics can be found in the Stoic philosophy in Rome, which, by the way, was exactly the philosophical and ethical school promoted by the Flavians. There's little that is original about Mm. Jesus. If one separates from his words advice that was in the interest of the Roman imperial family, all that you have left are snippets of widely known philosophies, truisms, and concepts that came directly from the prior Hebraic literature. Yes. The reason I, I 
I'm now convinced there's no historical Jesus, which seems a real, like, whoa, to people who are not familiar with the idea, oh it is a combination of things. First of all, there is no evidence for an historical man which stands up to proper scrutiny. Secondly, is... Notice he said that stands up to proper scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Meaning, there's a lot of straw mans running around here. And it's easy to tear them down. The story of Jesus is full of these motifs which come from the pagan mysteries. And the third reason is because in the uh, early Christian movement, there's these two types of Christians, certainly by the second century, which I think of as Gnostics and literalists. What marks out the literalists who will become the Roman Empire and the Roman Catholic Church is that they've got an historical man. What marks out the Gnostics is that they see it allegorically, and their great heresy is that Christ didn't come in the flesh. Now, the winners write history, and the history books have been written by the literalists. And all of the tradition about the Romans trying to torture and suppress Christians, these traditions are correct. They definitely persecuted the messianic, militaristic Christians, and they certainly would have frowned on the Gnostic independent thinking Christians, but the Roman pacifistic giving to Caesar what is Caesar Christians, that group would have been promoted. Which makes it perfect for the Roman Empire. And it's a fascist empire. It's got a very simple message. Just believe this. You don't have to transform. And you have to go through the authorities, through the bishops, through the state. Remember it says through the bishops, through the states? But who did the Hebrews go through? They didn't go through the bishops. No. They didn't go through the states. They didn't. The bishops and the priests and the preachers and the laymen, those are all from Roman religion. They have no connection to Hebraic thought, period. You had to go through the officials. You had to go through the... This is why the government loved this book. Mm -hmm. The New Testament. It taught you to respect the government and not God. Don't ask questions, he said. That's what he said. Just follow the government and don't ask questions. That's that's okay. (laughs) It's the perfect thing for them to pick up. And that's what they did. Our scholars agree that the Gospels are complex literary creations, drawing from both pagan and Jewish myths. But Joseph Atwell goes a step further to say that the Flavians wrote passages directly into the Gospels, which show that they were the authors. One of the most famous prophecies that Jesus makes is about the coming of someone he refers to as the Son of Man. Now, many people believe that he's talking about a second coming of himself. And many people believe that this is going to occur some point in the future. Well, the fact is, this coming of Jesus has already occurred. Jesus makes very specific prophecies as to what will happen when the Son of Man makes his visitation. He refers to three key events. The Galilean towns will be crushed, Jerusalem will be encircled with a wall, and the temple will be raised, leaving not one stone atop another. He also states exactly 
when this individual will come. He says that the Son of Man will appear before the generation that is alive and listening to Jesus' words passes away. Now, to Jews of this era, a generation is 40 years. And so the only individual that could possibly be the Son of Man that Jesus predicts is Titus Flavius. Titus Flavius did destroy the Galilean towns. He did encircle Jerusalem with a wall. And he generation raised the temple 40 years and left not one that's how stone atop another. It was how long they were in captivity. Surrounded by the wall. In the wilderness. Mm-hmm. He said after the wicked wicked generation passed over. And that was 40 years later. Right. So that's what they're referring to. They died out. Mm-hmm. And he did this they did a parallel within to 40 years. Mm-hmm. Josephus recorded that no matter how Titus tortured the Jews, they refused to call him Lord or God. So to circumvent this stubbornness, the Flavians wrote the Gospels in which a son of man was predicted to come in the future. Titus fulfilled these prophecies and became the son of man. So you end up worshiping Titus without knowing it. To further support his thesis that the Flavians originated Christianity, Joseph Atwell points to the Roman Catholic Church's earliest saints, known as the Christian Flavians. The Flavians. The Flavian family is connected to early Christianity in a number of unusual ways. So many members of the family were recorded as having been among the first Roman Catholic saints. These include Flavia Domitilla, who is either Titus's sister or his niece, and there is an inscription honoring Flavia for donating the land that became the first Christian catacomb. And Flavia Domitilla was the first Christian saint. Her son, Clement, is recorded as pope having Clement. been the first Roman Catholic pope after the Apostle Simon. In addition, there were two members of the Flavian household staff, Neros and Achilles. Both of them had churches named after them in the very earliest Christian diocese in Rome. There was a Christian theologian whose name was Titus Flavius Clemens, Clement of Alexandria. Mm -hmm. And he's the one who actually described the first Christian symbols. And he said they were the anchor, the boat, uh, the fish, the olive branch, the star. And oddly, these are the very symbols that... He gave them those, symbols. And the, he's the one that gave them... every single saint. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The olive branch, the dove, <sighs> symbols, the fish... Dagon. All of them. The lion. Man. He gave them their symbols. The Flavian Caesars used on their coins. The final connecting point between the Flavian family and Christianity is that in the 4th century... Flavius Constantine made Christianity the state religion of Rome. 
military achievements of Caesar's were important to all Romans. So certainly, the Flavian Christians, the group that the Roman Catholic Church states were the first saints of the religion, would have known the identity of the Son of Man that Jesus predicted, who would crush Galilee and circle Jerusalem with a wall and raise the temple, was Titus Flavius. So it seems if a person knows how to uncover them, there are actually many clues pointing to the Flavian origin of Christianity. And perhaps the most intriguing one that Joseph Atwell uncovered is a secret code the Flavians used in their documents, which enabled him to make his startling discovery. So the Romans had the Jews' scripture locked up inside their imperial court, and they studied it. And what they discovered was that there was a unique literary code hidden in the text. This mm-hmm. hidden code, which was common in Jewish scripture, was used by the Flavian literary team to place passages into the Gospels that had to be deciphered to be understood. This hidden literary technique is known as typology. Typology. Typology, T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y, typology. Typology is used throughout the ancient Hebraic literature. And it's a genre that is really no longer understood or used today. But it is. Simply put, typology is using events from the past to provide form and context for subsequent ones. What we're talking about is stereotypic, stereotypic. In other words, there's an idealized prototype which shows certain characteristics or performs in certain ways. For instance, one of the things they do is they take an old story and they retell it in a new form. And, uh, and they superimpose contemporary history upon old stories. And, uh, and they create these multi-layered texts. In Hebraic typology, texts were designed to be read in comparison to one another or intertextually. And in doing so... You remember how the scripture tell you that it's supposed to be line upon line, precept upon precepts? Yes. Here a little, there a little. That the precepts is what they're talking about, right? Which is what you see when we read um, our Torah portions. You notice they have the Torah and then they attach the prophets along with the Torah because they coincide with one another. Um, Because what you find is the prophets were fortifying the Torah, right? Their job is to what? Bring the people, always bring the people back to what? The keeping of the law. And so you will find the connection between the law and the prophets. But you wouldn't know that because this is not how they teach y'all how to study the scripture. Because it goes back to the way our ancestors studied. And how they read and connected it. This is why if you were studying to be a rabbi or something, you will spend your first years really getting to understand the law. Because if you don't understand the law, you can't interpret anything else in scripture. And because y'all never read the law. You have that disconnection, but you have to read the law 
to fortify and understand what God is saying before you can really understand what's happening with the with the um prophets. The language is very critical too though. They don't mention that. A meaning that would not be visible in the surface narration would become apparent to someone who understood the typologic connection between the stories. Hebraic typology connects prophets. Events from the life of one prophet are placed into the life of a subsequent prophet. And this shows that there is a divine pattern established by God connecting his prophets to one another. The Gospels actually show how we can decipher for ourselves this hidden code or typology that was used to create the Jesus story. Now I told you that they made, yeah, because mind you, the characteristics of Moses, prophet, yeah, and then putting it into the into someone else, into the whole new character from those characteristics. Yes, that's why I said giving you a new. That's how I knew they made Jesus out to be Moses because the statement is iterated multiple times. If you know Moses, you know me. Basically, what they're telling you is, I'm Moses. Another Easter egg, goddamn. He's trying to portray himself as Moses. Exactly. The new or the modern version. Sneakily putting his own spin on it. But this is also why they call him Son of Man. Because remember, it's an Old Testament acronym, Son of Adam. Right? Remember, they switched that. They don't call him son of man. If you don't it was know, the son, but, yes. but they, they supplemented Adam with man. Right? If you don't know the Old Testament, if the you, old Moses from the Old Testament, you won't know the, dis- the discrepancies of the new one. But the more you read Torah and the more you read the, the, the law, the more the, the more you keep connecting the fact exactly. that they borrowed it from that particular and place. You copy those <laughs> prophets and people of the old so the best way to say it is the New Testament is a plagiarized copy of the old. Ooh, yeah, that's what it's that is. <laughs> At the very beginning of the Gospels, there's a primer of this typology. What the author of Matthew has done is take events from the Old Testament and place them into the life of Jesus. These events occur in the same sequence in the story of Jesus as they occur in the Old Testament. Numerous Bible scholars had already identified the following parallels. Both stories have a patriarch named Joseph who travels from Israel to Egypt. A ruler who massacres innocent boys. A divine character who states that all the men are dead who sought your life. And then a return from Egypt to Israel. This is followed by events which have passing through water. In the Old Testament, the Israelites pass through the Red Sea. In Matthew, Jesus is given a baptism in which he passes through water. We then travel into the wilderness. The Israelites are in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. 
Finally, we have the three temptations. In the Old Testament, we have the temptation by bread, the statement, do not tempt God, and the commandment to worship only God. These appear again in Matthew, where Jesus is tempted by bread, tells the devil, do not tempt God, and instructs him to worship only God. Therefore, when you compare the life of Jesus with the life of Moses, you see a linkage that shows that the character in the Gospels was divinely connected to the character in the Old Testament. The life of the first Savior of Israel, Moses, foresaw the life of Jesus, who is now claiming to be the next Savior of Israel. To understand the rest of the Jesus story, his adult ministry, we sit... But we don't, they just leave out the fact that God himself said he's the salvation of Israel. Yeah? Hi. Isn't that what he said? He said he's the salvation, the creator God, and he is their king. Notice how the scholars don't even mention that. They don't even tell you that that's something that you got to look at. They ain't even put it in the sublimation that they made the creator God and the fake God in the same likeness as well. Yes, they did. So people believe that the creator God is the human God. Flesh. All right. See, they even leave that out. And it still goes back to telling you that the controlling populace only wants you to know some truth, but not the complete not truth. We yep. need to know that the same system of parallel names, locations, and concepts occurring in the same sequence was used to connect Jesus in the Gospels to Titus in the works of Josephus. Our scholars explain this gospel typology in the following three examples. Jesus comes to the Sea of Galilee at the beginning of his ministry. He gathers his disciples to him and he says, Do not be afraid. Follow me and become fishers of men. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus actually says catchers of men. Titus comes to the same location, to the Sea of Galilee. He gathers his troops, his disciples, together, and he says, don't be afraid. And then he leads them. They follow him, and they attack a group of of Jewish rebels. They sink the Jews' boats. The Jews attempt to swim to safety, and the Romans use their spears to catch them. They become fishers of men. isn't exact but we should never expect it to be exact it's simply a a type which is repeated across the whole of the new testament jesus is constantly dealing with devils josephus also deals with devils but josephus defines who these devils are He states that the devils are those individuals who have a rebellious spirit and rebel against Rome. At Gadara, Jesus encounters one man who has a legion of demons inside his mind. They then are driven out by Jesus. They infect a herd of swine, and then this herd rushes wildly into the water. This is a parallel to Titus' battle at Gadara. 
where one individual infects an entire legion of Jews with his demonic spirit, and then that group in turn infects another group, and this combined group is driven by the Romans into the sea. What's being suggested here is that this story that you find in the Gospels is in some ways sort of like a, a grim parable about that military event. It's sort of like a bit tongue-in-cheek, I think. The Romans had a vicious sense of humour like this, a very black sense of humour. In a medieval text that I've studied, which is called the Gospel of Barnabas, when you read that story, the way it's presented is in an unsophisticated form, that is to say it's sort of been decoded in some ways, and it, it becomes clear that, what's, uh, that uh, what we're talking about here are um, the Jewish rebels are chased into the sea and they drown in the sea. In the Gospels, these are presented as pigs. This is, a, this is a, uh, once again, a very dark, black sort of Roman. So basically what he's saying is they were celebrating the massacre of your ancestors. But putting it in allegoric, putting them in allegorical text um, writings. But you know, we don't deal with that. Right. So that's where that tongue in cheek comes in at because we don't eat So pigs. basically they were being derogatory. Being very derogatory, similar to what you see in the Talmud. Sense of humor. Some of this literature really needs to be understood like that. Josephus's biography, he describes when he was in the entourage of Titus during the closing stages of the siege of Jerusalem, he chanced upon three of his friends who were being crucified. And he pleaded with Titus for their release. And Titus gave that permission, and the three figures were removed from the cross. Two of them died, and one revived. Now, if you're looking for a stereotypic example of how some idea was floated into the mind of someone writing the Gospels, that is a pretty clear example. It's certainly a strange occurrence that we find such an incident in the works of Josephus when it shows up in such a dramatic form in the Gospels. In the Gospels, Joseph of Arimathea asked the Roman commander to take Jesus down from the cross. In Josephus's history, Joseph Barmathias asked the Roman commander to take someone down from the cross. Arimathea is a pun on Josephus's last name, Barmathias. When you read our sources really carefully, and you have to do it really, really carefully, because uh, they didn't spell it out for us. It's, uh, it's effectively very well hidden. Um, we have to understand that our literature, a lot of our literature is essentially propaganda. The Romans are not writing objective history and all of our literature has been through Roman filters. Perhaps that's the significance of the Dead Sea Scrolls, that uh, this is literature that hasn't been through the Roman filters. It's important to realise that Josephus wrote in an era when allegory was regarded as a science. Educated readers were expected to be able to see another meaning in religious text than the one that appeared in the surface narration. 
we're dealing with Roman literature on the one like hand the and Jewish literature they on the other. Better. And it has to be said that in both cases, they're much more sophisticated, much more multi-layered and elusive and much trickier than modern readers suspect. No, it's not a simple literature. It's very, very complex it allegorical is. literature that indulges in the literary games that the Romans played. The more you understand about Roman... But you also had to look at... This is written by philosophers. That's right. And you find the philosophic component to the New Testament. Oh, you could tell they're not the same people writing the, the text. No. Because what's written in the New Testament or what's written in the Old Testament, they don't match. They do not. In language or syntax. Mm -hmm. But it still takes a educated eye to see it. And this is why it's so hard for a lot of people because seriously, we our our system our education system does a piss poor job at teaching us how to analyze literature. Can I say that one more time? Yes. They do a piss poor job at teaching us how to analyze literature. And because we don't yes. have the ability to analyze literature, we 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 be we be we. Did you hear me talk about this Let's all the time? When I was going through a school, and I took literature classes, and we read the plays mm-hmm. of Shakespeare. Uh huh. Shakespeare plays. <laughs> Most people got frustrated. Yeah, because it's it's, it's difficult for because a lot of people. Because the language that they spoke in is the the King James. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they were finding it hard to connect it to talk in this language language for a long time because they couldn't grasp it grasp it very much. And the uh, the metaphors that he used because he used a lot of metaphors, mm-hmm. they were taken too seriously because they thought they were like literal things Sense. happening, right? But, but it was metaphoric, metaphorical, very metaphoric, very metaphorical stuff. I think, and that's what you find with Paul's writings. Yes. Um, and and he is just blaspheming all over the town, like seriously. When you really go back and read it, because remember when we read this last week, Paul's writings, right? Yes. And 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 then you found everything that that um. I'm sure it made a lot of people mad, but it should have made you mad in the right way. And I think that's the interesting part about this. But at the end of the day, we got to tear down every fucking... We got to tear it down. It, it is... I, I Like, seriously, I, I've come to appreciate knowledge. One, because it, it takes you to a whole nother level of understanding in life. But then it, it makes you want to gravitate around more people that that um, seek to get gain understanding. It really takes you out of that pigeonhole that they have you in this box. Well, they put us there for a purpose. Yes. They want us to stay ed- uneducated. This is why we as a people Which don't value it. We we don't value it. We don't. And we look at it as something that is de classe. Or, um, like, it's like purposefully when it comes to the hood aspect of things, right? In the neighborhood, we're told that we are being white. But who fucking taught the white people the shit they know? Exactly. 
Because let's just keep this shit 100. When you were in the Middle Ages, they talking about the Dark Ages. It wasn't white. But remember, they told you in your history book that white people were unknowledgeable. Yes, people were called what? Sellouts. <laughs> bougie. Why, why we got to be we that acting way? white. In order, because we knowledgeable. Because you're knowledgeable. Because, because people. Cultured. We we gotta we get out of this. We've been stripped of it so long that we don't. We are far from it now. Man, I mean, yeah. But we are a picture of culture. But I'm loving. But are. but the one thing I'm do do seeing is a change in the type because a lot of us are starting to get back to a place where we're we're studying again. Yeah. And we want to be knowledgeable, that we want to gain understanding, and there's and there people are literally researching and studying more now. People are traveling more. Yeah, which is really opening it changes, people's perspective and, and broadening yeah, their horizons. We didn't have access, but you remember this is this is what happened at the turn of the century too, right? Yeah, with the highways and roads, people began to travel. Exactly, and it changed their their their, their perspective in life. The more you get around and get out and get around other people, the more you, your horizons change and your perceptions in life change because you're connected to people in a different way. Exactly. It began to operate in a more knowledgeable place, but in a place of humility and understanding. And I think um, and this is the place I'll be coming from when I'm like educating and talking about these things, because these are the things that we didn't have. To, we don't have we don't have access to this questions that we have about the Bible and about God and about all of this stuff. When we were asking all these pastors, these things, I think about when we're asking all of these. Put that, put that there for that. Opening our horizons and, you know, taking us places, you know, museums and libraries and all those places. We had access to all of that. Even though people were saying I was being bougie. (laughs) We had access to a lot of things. Brands, all those things. We had all of that. It makes a difference. We really drilled in us to have all of those qualities. I think it makes a difference in a child. And I really gravitated towards that. <laughs> I was like, I branched out. I really branched out. I bet you've been shocking the shit out of your brother lately, haven't you? Really, really, really. He's starting to take my words more seriously. Because you, you really, you really, and I think because we, he knows that I research. Well, we, we, but we challenged you, right? Um, and, and that's the thing about the fact it. fact that I wasn't really confident in my words and knowledge. <laughs> now Even you know I studied. Like now crazy. you can stand. Now you can no, stand. I'm you a, can stand with the big boy. I am a researcher. Okay, <laughs> I've been doing that. And this I was is young. No, but this is to me for you. When I look at you and I'm, I'm we're talking. I am praising God because because my my baby didn't used to keep a lot of information. Like according to what her disability was, right? And I prayed over her. So I know the power of God to make changes. So when she when we talking and I hear her bring these things up and we have these dialogues, I'm like, wow. You definitely keep it God, God, God is, is so good. You can't tell me what he can't do now. That's that's one thing you can't tell me. If but I, I had this mind that I have now Back then, <laughs> I would be sailing through school right now. <laughs> I would be a straight-A student. <laughs> no joke. I think, but still goes back to us going back to Torah. Exactly. 
and the it things really that that has done in your life. And I, I'm like, like God is so good. Anyway, let's finish. This is almost done. Give me, give me a few seconds. Literature in this period, and then you place the Gospels and other Christian literature in that same milieu. You can start to see the games that are being played in that literature. Mm-hmm. Now, these parallels have been seen by other scholars. Games, but huh? what they fail to notice is that they occur in the same sequence, and thereby they create a typologic pattern. The Flavian thesis, it's trying to read these texts in context, because in any given text, you've got the text in the first instance, and then you've got the context the environment in which it happens and of course in all of these texts also you've got a subtext so you've got text context and subtext and you have to be able to read all now you see what he said text context and subtext that's a lot going on ain't it i mean you gotta i mean you gotta be you gotta go real real in depth actually study the lesson i was supposed to bring forth today is on the numerical formation of biblical principle. And when I bring that shit forth, y'all gonna be like, damn, the Bible that fucking deep, nigga. What he said. Ooh, we got a God that you 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 listen. He did say study these things. <sighs> Those things. And unfortunately, many religious people who are coming out of seminaries, who are coming out of religious colleges, they're just not being trained in this sort of uh, level of reading. What was it, father? Father, father. Oh, father. Niggas, niggas. Didn't I tell you them seminaries ain't teaching their ass shit? Yeah. Oh, father. Niggas, niggas. Oh, come on, come on now. Ah. You you thought I was lying, didn't you? Any white man say that? Oh, shit, white man. That's what the white man said. White scholars said that. I'm going to read right now. I'm going to read right now so you can hear the white man say it one more time. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Got the context, the environment in which it happens, and of course, in all of these texts, also you've got a subtext. So you've got text, context, and subtext, and you have to be able to read all of those things. And unfortunately, many religious people who are coming out of seminaries, who are coming out of religious colleges, they're just not being trained in this sort of uh, level of reading. They're instead being trained to just read on one level, which is a literal level. And uh, I think that that's very unfortunate and that that really needs to be challenged. What was it? Father? Oh, Father, I know. Basically. <laughs> I know, <laughs> Father. I know the nigga want to rise up and stone my ass for that one. Niggas. I told y'all. They're not giving an in-depth teaching. They're just teaching you how From the surface. Read. But mind you, mind you, niggas, mind you, all of these colleges are driven by the papacy, niggas, goddamn. The World Council of Churches. Oh, did you know the one that just stepped down of the church was running that shit? Yeah. Yeah, Teddy Jakes. Yeah. <sighs> See? Father God in heaven, help us. Help us. <sighs> You know, you, you know, when you read stuff and people be like, oh, it ain't that deep, nigga. It be that it deep. It be that deep. It be that deep. By studying the multiple layers in these ancient texts. Girl, if I tell my mama this shit, she gonna stop talking to me. <laughs> you know, 
on glaciers. Come on now. You know, you know she gonna stop talking to me when I tell her Jesus is Flavius. Emperor Nero. Joseph Atwell was able to discover not just a handful, but over 40 typological parallels between the Gospels and the works of Josephus, which show that the ministry of Jesus Christ followed in exact sequence the military campaign of Titus Flavius through parallel names, locations, and concepts. Once I understood the system 40. that the Flavians were using to link Jesus and Titus, I was able to discover dozens of these parallels between Jesus and Titus. And what was amazing is that they occurred in the same sequence. And this simply proves that this was deliberate, that these unusual parallels had been created by the Flavians as a signature. It is their way of telling posterity that they authored the Gospels. These parallels are the Flavian signature of the Gospels. But mind you, they told you that they just wrote the Gospels. That's your Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming Marciana Sinopo gave you all of Paul's writings. I, I guess. I mean, Which makes sense because he, he did. You connect him to Paul. All right. Jesus and Titus begin their campaigns at the Sea of Galilee and then go into the Galilean countryside followed by a journey to Jerusalem. Once they reach the city's outskirts, they pause for a period before they enter. Finally, they leave the city where their campaigns come to an end. (laughs) To catalog the many parallels, I gave each one a convenient name that related to the concept in that particular parallel set. Starting at Galilee, each of these are episodes that occurred both in the gospel story of Jesus and in the history of Titus's military. Okay, pause. I'm going to read what he got for Galilee. It says, fisher for men at the Sea of Galilee, easier to say, get up and walk. Then your sins are forgiven. Keep holy the Sabbath by restoring the right hand. Mm-hmm. Cast out the supporters of the Son of Man. John passed by a demon. The legion of demons. Demons infect another group. Campaign. Heard ran violently. Both Jesus and Titus journeyed to Jerusalem, each sending messengers ahead to meet him when he gets to the city. When the Romans get to Jerusalem, they notice that the Jewish factions are fighting against themselves. At this point in the Gospels, Jesus talks about a house divided against itself cannot stand. But they also stole it from the Old Testament when God saying, he said, um, come let us reason together. Then Josephus wrote 
that in preparation for battle, Titus ordered all of the fruit trees between the Roman camp and the walls of Jerusalem cut down. At this point in the Gospels, Jesus states that if a fruit tree does not bear good fruit, cut it down. Ah, shit. Titus goes around the walls of Jerusalem looking for the best place to construct a tower from which they can launch their attack. At this point in the Gospels, Jesus asks, which one of you who is going to build a tower doesn't first sit down and think about the cost? Hmm. At this point in the history, Titus sends Josephus to ask the Jews what terms they will accept for peace. In the Gospels, Jesus describes a king who sends a delegation to ask for terms of peace. Both Jesus and Titus at this point have triumphant entrances into Jerusalem, during which, amazingly, stones are said to cry out. then drives a den of thieves out from the area in front of the temple. This is followed by Titus encircling Jerusalem with a wall and Jesus predicting that Jerusalem will be encircled with a wall. Because of the wall, starvation sets in in Jerusalem. Josephus wrote that a woman named Mary, who called her son a myth for the world, slayed him ate him, thereby turning him into a human Passover lamb. Mm. In the Gospels, we now have the Last Supper. Jesus tells his disciples, take, eat, this is my body, this is my blood. At least we not forget about what it was said in Ezekiel, right? That the children would do what? The same thing, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thereby turning him into a human Passover lamb. Here then is the Flavian signature of their authorship of the Gospels. You can see the fingerprints that they've left their fingerprints all over these texts. You can start to, as it were, decode uh, these texts and uh, start to arrive at some really startling conclusions about how early Christianity first arose. Our scholars have shown that the Gospels were not the product of primitive Jewish fishermen. Rather, they are a sophisticated literary work combining religious ideas of the day with Roman political perspective and power. Joseph Atwell's research reveals that reading the works of Josephus concurrently with the New Testament shows that the events of Jesus' life were not historical, but rather all of them are dependent on the events in the military campaign of Titus Flavius. Jesus Christ was an allegory for the Roman Caesar Titus, the Messiah of the Roman Empire, the Roman son of a god that Christianity was set up to worship. I certainly don't want to undermine the positive things in Christianity. I'm happy to admit that there are positive things in Christianity and in other religions as well. What's at issue here are the historical claims of these religions. Traditionally, religious dogma has forbidden the examination of historical discoveries, 
or the inclusion of certain scientific findings in their teachings, asking their followers instead to blindly believe as they say, not as the objective facts may show. And that's the truth, is it not? This has been a long message, but needed nonetheless. What are your thoughts, ma'am? There's a lot of information going, but I am definitely, <laughs> definitely, it's been an eye opener. Some things that I have been open to. But it's not like we didn't know this. Well, no. I mean, not to the extent that is explained, right? Mm -hmm. In depth, right? But you've heard me talk about these things for for months and for years. Um, And understanding these things that they pretty much (sighs) given us the, the, um, or took us down roads that and they knew, like, scripturally, they understand when God is disconnected from us, they have their way. But they grow financially. Every nation that had Israel in its grasp, when we sinned, it benefited, it benefited the nations. They all grew financially. They did. And so, like, that was the, that's the, the, the number one thing you find. Think about the, the economy. Our, the economy of America is nothing without us. But all over the place, you can see. We grew many places. Yeah. We developed many places. Y'all taking a lot of information in today. And I say take it in bit by bit. Because it's heavy. You might want to do some research yourselves. I hope y'all really do, um, because you'll gain knowledge in it. Because we have to learn for ourselves to seek out a thing. Yes. The scripture tells us to do what? To seek out a thing. Seek it told us to prove. Things. Matter of fact, the scripture tell the Torah tells us to prove all things. Yes. Meaning things that you 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 embrace in your life have to have something to stand behind it. And you don't bring nothing into your life that you've proven valuable to bring it into your life. It's like when you hear what a woman said it earlier when she said Torah brings what? Structure. And in the structure we have what? Life. But outside of Yehoah we have what? Death. Which is why they told you you got to do what? Die daily. Mm -hmm. Why do I want to have to die daily when I can have life? Everlasting. That's Yehoah, right? He told Moses his name was Eye Ashe Eye. I will be who I will be, the existing one, life everlasting. If I can have life everlasting every day, why do I need to die? I don't want to die daily. Fuck that shit. Mm-mm. I spend my whole life dying daily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to grow and, and be abundant in God. So I bid you, as a forefather, Abraham said, choose this day. He said, he said, he said, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve Yahuwah fully, completely and wholeheartedly.
I just say, take your time with it. And I'm sorry that this shit was long, but it's worth it. It's a lot of information. Much love and respect. Salim, Shalom, whichever one you choose. And I bid you in the ancient tongue of our forefathers. Shama Yisrael, Yahuwah Eloheinu, Yahuwah Akkad. Hero Israel, Yahuwah our God, he is one alone. And you shall love Yahuwah your God with all your heart and with all your might and with all your soul. Yeah. Peace.